What's up, Red Army? This is Ray Santiago from Ash vs. Evil Dead, here to let you know that my bros over at the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast are reviewing the original Evil Dead. So, my fellow ghost beaters for life, grab your trusty boomstick, and we shall see those deadites till the end of their lives. Let's show them who the real jefe is. Mi nombre es Pablo Simón Bolivar, y yo soy el brujo especial. Morning live from the Black Lodge, it's me, the free will burning, head turning, ass kicking, machismo dripping, master podcast and mouthpiece of the Southeast, Brandon A. Lane bringing you a new edition of the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast. 730 days and 24 episodes later, myself and the Rant Army have found ourselves in the presence of the man you heard at the top of this episode. There's no better gift we could have hoped for on the two-year anniversary of this podcast than getting a shout-out from Ray Santiago himself, a.k.a. Pablo from Ash vs. Evil Dead. I want all of you out there in the Rant Army to track him down on Twitter, at RealRaySantiago. Give him a follow, and let him know you appreciated him stopping by the Black Lodge. Once you're done following him, hop on over to our Twitter, at RantsBlackLodge. Give us a follow and a shout-out. You can also subscribe to the podcast on a multitude of platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and don't forget to stop by our homepage at JuicyKruger.com. Tonight's two-year anniversary spectacular isn't just about us. So in addition to a full-length commentary track for Sam Raimi's splatter classic, The Evil Dead, I'll be sitting down with William Mahaffey to talk about my favorite silver screen destination, Central Cinema, which is located in Knoxville, Tennessee, just down the road from where The Evil Dead was filmed. But first, we have some messages from our sponsors. Next Generation Wrestling brings some of the most talked about and star-studded professional wrestlers from around the world. Based out of East Tennessee, NGW is becoming one of the most sought-after independent wrestling promotions in the past four years. Witness NGW Live or on demand on the High Spots Wrestling Network streaming app. Follow us on social media platforms at NextGenTN. All right, Rant Army. It is with great enthusiasm that I get to speak with the gentleman across the table from me. I have become quite fond of the establishment this gentleman runs, and we're going to be breaking down the inception to the reality of Central Cinema so sitting across from me, William Mahaffey, is that correct? That's correct. All right, I was uh, I'm glad I didn't butcher your name too badly. <laughs> so let's let's talk about this. Uh, where did the nugget of the idea come from for the wonderful Central Cinema? Well, thank you for the kind words. First of all, oh, there'll there'll be plenty. <laughs> uh, you'll have to buy me dinner <laughs> later on from all the kind compliments <laughs> I have about this place. Um, well, so you know we've been we do the Knoxville Horror Film Fest as well and. Um, that started 10 years ago or 11 years ago now and, um, started as a little short film fest and grew until it's like four day weekend festival. And the whole time, you know, uh, my partner, Nick Hinker and I like, you know, we always kind of like had the pie in the sky dream of doing a movie theater, but we didn't really think that 
there was an audience for it in Knoxville for the type of theater we wanted to have. And it was always just kind of like this thing that we would occasionally talk about and never thought would happen. But then Knoxville's grown a whole lot. And in particular, the area that we're in, which is um, like Old North Knox, Happy Holler. Um, there's a lot of new businesses that have come up around here. They've been doing a lot of renovations and uh, we kind of saw that this, this area was growing and that there were places that we could get for not an, an incredible rate to either buy or rent. And uh, we thought that maybe we could actually pull this thing off. And so, um, you know, we talked about it more and more and the, the horror fest had grown and we started doing um, Iams Nature Center events in the summer. And they, was, I've been to a couple. They're yeah, wonderful. Yeah, those are great. And those have huge attendance. So we decided that we would go for it and we started crowdfunding in the years are just like totally blended together since we started this thing. So uh, I think it was 2017 we started crowdfunding. And then um, we did this event where we were kind of like, uh, it's an event in South Knoxville where you go and you pitch an idea. And if the crowd voucher idea is the best, then you win the, the, co- the door money that it costs to get into the event. And we didn't win, but people were really enthusiastic. And they said we almost won. And then somebody came up to me and said, hey, did you know that there's this Tai Chi place on Central that used to be a movie theater and those people are about to move out. And I did know it was a movie theater because I had like researched, like done a deep dive on where all the movie theaters were in Knoxville, which there are like a crazy amount. Yes, there are. And, um, but I never thought this place would move because it had been here since I was here. And so that very night we went over and talked to the owner and, uh, at first he said he had kind of somebody who was looking at it, but then he called us back like a week later and then, Within a month, we signed a lease to take it over um, in October, and then uh, we thought we'd be open by January, which was foolish, <laughs> and uh, it took much longer, almost a year, uh, and then then we were open, and then uh, we were rolling, and we've been going ever since. That was last August we opened up. We're actually about to hit a year anniversary. Well, uh, very hearty uh, congratulations on the success of this place. Um I have to say, uh, the legend of Central Cinema is starting to grow, um, and I, I hope this podcast, as little you know as it may be, we can, we can help put some eyes and some cash in the pockets <laughs> of the people behind it. When you were developing this place, um, it's, it's obvious to me that when uh, the things that I've seen here, you've had a very eclectic mix of films, everything from schlocky horror all the way to you know highbrow you know, Lynch films and martial arts movies. When you had this conception, what was the one movie that you're like, this is what this place was made for? Oh, that's tough. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot. (laughs) I I mean, there's so many movies that, you know, I've always wanted to screen. Um, I mean, to me, I would say that uh, tonight, you know, Tonight we've got this Jack Shoulder event. We're doing a triple feature of his movies, and his first two movies, Alone in the Dark and The Hidden, I feel like are very underseen, underrated movies. I absolutely agree. That are really, really good and deserve an audience. And so, I guess basically, I mean, this is kind of a cheat answer, but any kind of movie that is very deserving of an audience that it doesn't have a chance to get, like if we can give it that chance, then that's important to me. Even if only, I mean, it sucks if only three people come out, but. <laughs> Sometimes you can be really down because you're not people aren't coming and you're worried about the future of the place. But then 
you know, three people come out and somebody will come up and say, like, that was the best movie I've ever seen. Thank you for showing. And, like, that means so much that it, you know, it, 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 it helps keep your spirit up and keep you working. I have to imagine that when people come here, when they, when they truly love film and they look around and they talk with the staff who, who obviously has a, a flair and an enthusiasm for it that they can't help but fall in love with the place. Let's talk about the decorating. Uh, like I, when I first came here, I didn't really know what to expect. You were showing um, some Kubrick films, and I'm a huge Kubrick fan, so I came down and I didn't really know what I was getting in for. But I walk in and I'm like, I'm home. Okay. This place is uh, is amazing. So when you were putting all this together, uh, did you have a vision for kind of how things would be laid out, or did you kind of just uh, Fill, it, fill in the gaps as it came? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I always think, like, there's three of us involved with this, and we all have kind of different perspectives on how things are. And so it, that can be a bad thing, but it's more a good thing because then you kind of have a lot of different ideas that go in and usually end up resulting in, like, the best version of something or as close to that as you can possibly get. So, like, my partner Nick, he has a much more simplified idea of how things look like very clean and then I am much more messy like I if you saw my house I have more posters up well maybe not more but almost more posters than we have up here and for me like um I like things that have like personality and and it's okay if there's a little bit of you know it's not the neatest thing or there's just there's some weird poster that's like we've we've made ourselves like we have a um a Halloween decoration of Jeff Goldblum's fly and we cut out a Jeff Goldblum head with blood on it and stuck it on there and <laughs> stuff like that. I mean like that, you know, some people might look at that and say like, well, that's sloppy, but like, I think it's personality. I, personality is a perfect word to describe this place. I, I walked in my first time here and over near the concession stand, there is a beautiful mural of the post Vigo painting of the, uh, the Ghostbusters uh, which is my all-time favorite film, and you go in the bathroom, and there's little accoutrements, you know, and you just can't help but feel like every inch of this place, the attention to detail has been just poured through with love. Yeah, for sure. That's what, I'm glad that that comes off that way. I mean, we'd like to do even more. Um, we have a lot of other ideas we want to do, and we had bigger ideas, but budget, and then, you know, once you get open, like, you're open, and it's this it's kind of been like a marathon since then because a couple of us have other jobs and, and we have this, which is a full-time job. So, um, you know, hopefully as things continue to grow and we have more time, like we'll, we'll keep bringing more stuff like that and changing what we have. And, but yeah, I mean, we try to put as much love into it as we can. And I, you know, I want people to walk in and, and have that reaction. Cause when I go to like a big influence, I would say is Elmo draft house. And I do get the, a, similar vibe yeah and so you know I, I, we went to fantastic fest and i've been to i've been to alamo drafts house like all over the country if i'm on vacation with my wife or whatever if i'm going to visit family i'm like there's a draft house in that city and that's what i'm going to do when i don't have to spend time with my family <laughs> so you know i i've been to a lot of those and that's an influence and like i had that feeling when i walk in there it's like you know it's a little bit more corporate now though i still think that i still i'm a big fan of the place but um you know, it's like you just feel at home. You know, there's a shining carpet and yeah. uh, there's giant like martial arts posters everywhere or whatever it is. It's like, 
you know, that's that's the kind of place I want to go see a movie. I, I, I love that. I love them as well, but we don't have one in our backyard, so we have absolutely the next best thing here in Central Cinema. Um, you guys do things more than just movies. I mean, I mean, tonight you're having a Q&A with, you know, Jack Shoulder, legendary director of The Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Part 2, uh, Hidden, Alone in the Dark. Uh, but you guys also do uh, karaoke here and other fun things. You want to talk about some of the other uh, yeah. events that you guys have? Um, so, yeah, well, that's that's another thing that I think is important that we try to do. And we learned that with the Horror Fest because, you know, after a couple of years of the Horror Fest, we start doing regular screenings at different venues in Knoxville. And uh, actually right across the street, there's a place called Relics Variety Theater that is mainly like a place for weddings and parties now that you rent. But they used to let us do stuff there and... We would show. I, I would always try to turn a movie into an event. Like, like we showed the movie The Innkeepers, the Ty West movie. It's terrific. I, that last scene where you just see the ghost slowly fading. It's so subtle. I, but I love it. Film. Yeah. So, like with that, we had some local paranormal experts come out, and then I mean that was a pretty low key one. But then we showed a movie called Monster Brawl, which isn't the greatest movie in the world. But we had um, local wrestlers come out and set up a, a, a rank in there, and uh, I actually know a guy who uh, helped do some makeup for that event. So and, uh, yeah, and we, out, uh, Matt Scott. So, okay. Yeah. yeah so, and then we made up the wrestlers exactly. like monsters, yeah, exactly. and yeah. you know, like even if the movie wasn't that great, it was so much fun. These wrestlers in yeah, Wolfman makeup. <laughs> Uh, before and after the screening that, you know, it elevated it. And we showed a movie called The FP, which is like a, a futuristic... It's kind of like... It's supposed to be like a post-apocalyptic thing. But instead of, um, like, some kind of, like, Mad Max-type battle, these people do Dance Dance Revolution to face off these gangs. So it's... I haven't seen this, but, I, but it's on my list right now. I'm going to oh, check they, this movie out. They, the sequel actually just came out. Oh, uh, they're I, sequels. Yeah, right. Draft House Films put out the original. Okay. It was like their first movie they put out. But that movie's a ton of fun. And we set up, like, elevated platforms and put DDR mats and had a DDR competition afterwards. This sounds like so much fun. And so that's the type... You know, like, when we started doing that, I was like, this is what we need to apply to our screenings as much as we possibly can, which you can't do every screening like that. But, like, so last week... Here we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, and we you had got, a pizza party. That's right. We got a friend who owns a local pizza place uh, to, to bring us pizzas for every screening. We had uh, cartoons play and action, old action figure commercials from the 90s. And we have we have an emulator set up on an old tube TV in the lobby. And we, whatever, like right now, the Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> is on there. So if people want to come hang out and drink beforehand, they can play, you know, whatever game. Because this emulator has like every movie game ever on it. And... Uh, some other event like uh, we're probably going to be showing Jurassic Park sometime oh, in August. Awesome, and we're hoping to get some um, some kind of paleontology experts from the college to come out. And um, what else? Next uh, next month we've got we're doing a, this year we're kind of doing like a 1999 celebration because um, that is a really good year for mo- for movies. If you ever go back and just read all the movies that came out, you'd be like, what what happened? Because yeah. there's so many. And so we've kind of been doing a few here and there, but um, one weekend in July, it's going to be all 1999 movies. And we've got The Matrix and Blair Witch Project and Magnolia. And then I think we're going to do another one in August because people responded with so many movies they want to see. Then we're going to try to do that again. And, uh, you know, it's like we just try to come up with whatever we can to, to make it feel like more than just going to, you know, a Regal or an AMC or whatever. 
Well, any Paul Thomas Anderson movie you show, I'll be the first in line. I wanted to ask you about um, streaming now. It's so easy to have things at your fingertips, but uh, for my money, going someplace and having the sense of community and sitting with people who enjoy the same things, it, it has a an entirely different experience. Talk to me how important it is to give a sense of community to your patrons. Well, I mean, I think that we wouldn't have been able to do this if we didn't have that um, as, as part of our like nature. And we set it up from the beginning. You know, we did a part of the crowdfunding was like you can be a member and you can also donate a or adopt an arm. Like, so we got these chairs donated from this awesome theater in Asheville called The Grail. And they're from the 80s, but they're still really comfortable. They're in great shape. The only thing was like the armrests were just a little worn. So if uh, so, members donate it and they got their own armrest and they get to pick a movie and we put an image on there and then their name on the front. And so it's like they're taking ownership in our theater. You know, they're, they're always going to have their name on there. That, that's on very cool. My, my favorite one is the Frank Booth. Oh uh, yeah, one in the in the back. Uh, that's uh, where I like to sit. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's one of my favorites too. <laughs> I, I, I actually brought a friend here who had never seen um, a Lynch movie ever, and I thought, well, if I'm going to introduce him to a Lynch movie, this might be the most even killed of the bunch. He he was not terribly enthused, um, but I think I can get him to come back uh, for some other movies. So you have <laughs> you haven't lost uh, any business because of <laughs> David Lynch. Uh, if anything, you. Uh, got me to come so uh thank you so much for sitting down with me uh i think now would be a great time if you wanted to plug all of your social media so we can get the rant army on board for central cinema um well we have uh instagram facebook and twitter we're most active on instagram and facebook uh, and it's at central cinema knox k-n-o-x and then also we do knoxville horror film fest and that is rapidly approaching and we're starting to plan it and um, starting to have some features booked and you can follow that on Instagram and Twitter at, at, at Knox Horror Fest. And then it's just Knoxville Horror Film Fest on Facebook. And then our websites are centralcinema865.com. Actually, if you do Knox, it'll work too. And then knoxvillehorrorfest.com. Um, and now, you know, like the Horror Fest site probably doesn't get updated as much because we focus on the Central Cinema site. But usually if there's Horror Fest news, we'll post it on there too. And then if you're a filmmaker and you're listening... Uh, filmfreeway.com or filmfreeway search Knoxville Horror Film Fest or Knox Horror Fest we're taking submissions through the end of uh, August and a little bit into September at features or shorts and uh, it's going to be our 11th film festival um, we're, we're talking to some guests about coming out like last year we had Shockwaves podcast out and they did a live podcast and um, you know, we're hoping to do more stuff like that. <coughs> hint, hint. Oh, Ransom Blackwatch podcast. Oh. We can have multiple podcasts. <laughs> In fact, I think you should have a podcast division for this whole thing. Uh, two, two suggestions before we wrap this up. Number one, you got to show Fire Walk with me sometime in the future. Uh, that's a bucket list movie for me. I have never been able to see it on the big screen. And another one, uh, this is a little more recent, and it's become an instant uh, favorite of mine, Turbo Kid. Have you oh, seen it? Oh, yeah, we showed it at Horror Fest. Well, then you got to show it here at Central Cinema because I somehow that fell between the cracks. Yeah, we that was um, so we showed that at Horror Film at Knoxville Horror Film Fest, and then we showed their second movie, um, Summer of '84. It's terrific. That was uh, opening weekend. We had that movie at the theater last oh. year. 
Well, I missed out, but I will not be missing out on all the great things coming to you from the people here at Central Cinema. Thank you, William, so much for sitting down with us. Thank, thank you for having me, and I appreciate you supporting us. Uh, well, the, the pleasure is all mine. All right, Ran Army, stay tuned. we got some good things coming along in the pipeline. Hey, assholes! It's me, Bomber the Skeleton, mascot of the Rants for the Black Lodge podcast. Here to sell you some shit you probably can't afford. Are you low on cash? That's not a problem. Sell your children. Sell your blood. Go to the jack-off clinic and give them a sperm sample. We don't care how you get the money as long as you give it to us. Want a t-shirt? Want a sticker or a mug to show that you're a true friend and a member of the Rant Army? Well, guess what? Go to Rant Army Surplus. The link is in the description. And if you don't buy something, then fuck ya! Alright, Rant Army, making his valiant return to the podcast for our two-year episode spectacular of the commentary of Evil Dead. Drunk Tony! Yes, he's quite drunk right now. Always fat, sometimes drunk. You're welcome. You know, I drink today for you, not for me and dealing with five teenagers at home. Teenage girls, by the way. I drink for you. I don't know what has more blood flow going on your household or this movie, but I think we're going to <laughs> find out. It's neck and neck. <laughs> so we're here uh, for our two-year anniversary to uh, do a full-length feature commentary for the Splatter Sam Raimi classic back from 1981, The Evil Dead. The year I was born, and it was filmed in my hometown, Not our hometown. Our hometown. Morristown, Morristown Tennessee. Tennessee. Also the home of Davy Crockett, but nobody gives a shit about that. He ran away from it, <laughs> I, and I don't blame him. <laughs> did you ever see the movie The Alamo? Where, I uh, did. We watched that in college for like, history. Billy, Billy Bob Thornton made uh, Davy Crockett look like a bitch. Yeah. He probably was one. <laughs> I, can't, I can't confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember The Alamo. <laughs> In case the Alamo isn't a big enough uh, event, I, I think uh, this two-year anniversary episode. Fuck yeah, it uh, is. This is a big deal for me. Uh, so let's let's just hit the ground running. Uh, if you want to watch the movie with us, uh, queue up your DVD, Blu-ray, LaserDisc, uh, VHS, whatever you got handy. But you don't have to watch the movie. You get to watch the movie. Brandon and ours interactions are going to be enough genius and quality content to keep you through whatever you need to do to listen to us. You're welcome. I love you. Well, I appreciate those kind of words, sir. And we'll hopefully live up to them in oh, spades. We already have. So what you're going to do is you're going to cue your movie up. Literally the first thing you're going to see is just a, a whitened screen of smoke. And it will slowly fade into Renaissance pictures. So on the count of three, we'll count down when I say hit play. Hit play. And we'll hit the ground running. Three, two, one, play. play. All right. Evil Dead was released October 15th, 1981 in America. Um, but this movie had a stagnant uh, release schedule all over the world. So a lot of places got it in 82. A lot of places got it in 83. But fuck them. We live in America. America. This is 81's a, what count. This is a very American movie. Although it has sort of a, an Italian um, it kind of... It does have uh, like that Italian kind of 
Lucio Fulci kind of feel uh, to yeah, it. Yeah, Mario Bava. Yeah. Very, uh, the colors are very saturated. Not that you would see it in the, the scene that we're seeing right now as the... The force of the Evil Dead is uh, going across a pond. Back uh, where uh, we live near uh, Panther Creek Park. The, this opening scene, that they're, the road they're driving on, I used to live near it. That's Old Boatman's Mountain Road. It was closed down when I moved, but I'm, I hiked through poison ivy and cow shit just so I could stand on the road that they stood on. Uh, yeah, if you go there now, if you're not looking for, I mean, if you don't know where to look, you wouldn't find it. The road's grown up; it's fenced in. But uh, you know, growing up in Morristown, as, as we I all did, knew, we, you know, this was a pilgrimage. It was a rite of passage to go out to the Evil Dead cabin. I think the third time I ever got drunk on liquor was at the site of the Evil Dead cabin. Um, and I you've was been like, possessed by a dead eye. I ever have since. been possessed by a dead eye, and you know, but it's a sexy dead eye, so I'm good to go. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> true, 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 them up, people. true or not, uh, you're, you're possessed one way or another. Uh, this movie had a budget, it's been estimated at $350,000, which, I mean, in today's standards is nothing. Back then, even it was still, you know, a fraction of what, you know, a Especially for cost. what you get on, on screen. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of special effects. I mean, they're all kind of poor man's process. But, I mean, for considering a movie that was made for under a million dollars, these special effects are fucking fantastic. Yeah, under half a million dollars. <clears throat> so, it grossed $2.4 million. I believe that's the American gross. I'm sure internationally it's grossed way more, and especially re-releases. Oh, this yeah. movie is constantly DVD, being... Blu-ray. Uh, by the way, those two gentlemen we just saw at the side of the road, that was Rob Tappert and uh, Sam Raimi. Uh, Sam Raimi actually making his uh, on-screen debut uh, in an acting capacity in this film. Um, he had done a couple of short films, and maybe, I don't know if this was his first feature, or if he'd done one before this, but, I mean, it was I, very, very early in his I career. I think th- that, uh, according to some commentary I probably drunkenly watched one day or something, that this was like a second, because they, you know, had filmed something to show investors that, you know, hey, I, oh, I'm not... Wait. Yes, definitely, we'll, uh, we'll get into that, uh, called Within the Woods, but I, I wasn't sure if he'd actually made a movie before this. I know he'd done some short films, but I think this may have been the first full-length Okay. Feature he had maybe that's it. Uh, this movie has a ninety-five percent fresh rating score on Rotten Tomatoes. Finally, yeah. a movie I get to sit on that is judged correctly <laughs> by those whores at Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it has an audience score of eighty-four percent. What? That's I, I trust me. I can understand why this movie because is Evil not... Dead Two is like what everybody thinks of when they think Evil Dead. Evil Dead Two, Army of Dark. I get that. But I think the the other aspect is is I mean this is this isn't a uh, a movie for the casual audience. This is this is a still a pretty hardcore movie. And it's, Thirty eight years later, yeah. almost because it's not October yet. But this movie came out the year I was born, so I was the herald of the Evil Dead apocalypse. Is what I like to think. Um. Uh, IMDb ranks this is a 7.5 out of 10. I can see that. Uh, Google users, 88%. Usually I agree with Google users the most, uh, just in like... They're, the, they're read, the common man's opinion. Having read these statistics long enough, I kind of realize like they're, they tend to agree with me more than like Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb or whatever. But I got to say, man, uh, I think the Rotten Tomatoes score is right on the fucking head. Exactly. This movie is a classic. Brandon's had classics on this podcast before. You know, obviously Ghostbusters, you know, that are both of his and my favorite movie, Day of the Dead, um, stuff like that. But this movie is also near and dear to our hearts and a true horror classic. 
Well, you can't have a true horror classic without a body count, so Fat Tony, what we got on the hit list? This is, we have, on Fat Tony's hit list, we have eight kills. Fourteen if you don't no, include... No, no. Oh. Four. Four. <laughs> Sorry. His my, hand, my handwriting's bad. <laughs> four if you don't include Deadite Forms. I do include Deadite Forms because you're still having to hack up somebody you know into pieces. So, yes, I include... That averages one kill every 10.63 minutes. So It's a short um, movie. It's not a high body count. It's a quality body count. Well, uh, but you have to take into consideration um, there. there is so much blood in this movie that comes from places elsewhere than the body count. Um, so, like, really, if you were to, like, go by this, the blood count in this movie. It's a disgusting it, movie, and I love it. Yes, it's it's wonderful. Let's talk about the history of The Evil Dead. Now, Sam Raimi shot a short film that you alluded to before called Within the Woods. It was sort of a proof of concept to attempt to raise money for a feature which ended up becoming The Evil Dead. Um, Sam was a, able to raise $90,000 to film what was then to be called The Book of the Dead. Now, the producer, Irvin Shapiro, insisted that the title be changed to The Evil Dead for fear that people, mainly like younger audiences, would be turned off by a movie with literary references. Books are gay, <laughs> he said sarcastically. I'm, I love books. I, as, as do I, but I... I, I, I get it, it. The, I get it. The... Typical audience for a slasher film, you know, in the late 70s and through the 80s is, you know, your typical teenager, you know, pimple face to listen to their fog hat tape. They, yeah. they, they, didn't, want, they didn't want to read a book. So I can, I can understand that. Um, the movie, uh, the production was really, really hard. Um, it, was, uh, it was going to be originally filmed in Michigan where Bruce and Sam and all the guys are from, um, but they ended up in Morristown, Tennessee, our hometown, uh, out in near Panther Creek Park, in the middle of middle of nowhere, very secluded, uh, so secluded, so much secluded that when we're they were filming, uh, they actually had hunters would show up and they would have to like halt production because they were fear of like, hey, there's a person with dead eye makeup, let's let's not get them fucking killed by some dumb redneck. <laughs> um, but like I said, the production was harsh. Um, it was discovered that they needed more shots uh, to, you know, basically have a coherent uh, cut Narrative, of the movie, yeah. and they had already wrapped in the Morristown location, so uh, they took out some high interest loans, and uh, I actually think Bruce put up his his house or his parents' house as collateral in this, and so I mean, like they were they were going for broke. This was sort of like a make or break deal for them, and and it turned it turned out pretty well in the long run. Correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't the scenes they had to refilm were like or or not refilm but film extra outside of Morristown? The cellar scenes, the cellar scenes, and those uh, there's some con conflicting arguments on whether it's in Bruce uh, Bruce uh, Sam's or Rob's base parents' basement, but from I. Uh, my belief is that it is uh, Rob's uh, parents' basement uh, in Michigan um, where they filmed those scenes. Um, distribution in America was picked up by New Line Cinema, you know, the house that Freddie built. Exactly. But this, this is prior to them producing films. They were simply a distributor at the time. And it was like an instant classic, uh, but not without its controversy. The film was banned in many countries and still banned in some countries, believe it or not, the world we live in. Um, and it's, it's led to two sequels, three seasons of an excellent TV show. Thank you so much, Ray Santiago, for that awesome intro. Thank you. Yeah, cool guy. 
Um, I'm hoping that if we get any sequels, you know, because there's some news kind of came out recently where Sam Raimi said, Bruce Campbell will be done with Ash when I say he's done with Ash. <laughs> so I, I would have to think that Ray Santiago would at least be in consideration to be in those films. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I love the dynamic. Uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, a great show. In fact, the third season, probably my favorite of the three, and that's that's a pretty tall order because all three of them were really good. Yeah, I'd Thank agree. you, stars. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Um, the, the, after the three seasons, uh, it's, I mean, it's had a remake, which will, trust me, I know. We're going to get to that later. We'll get to that. We have a question about it. And and if you listen to this podcast for any length of time, for especially any episode that the gentleman sitting next to me has been on. Damn right. Uh, it has been a point of contention between he and I. Um, the movie, uh, is spawned, uh, comic books, action figures, and even a musical. Um, but they're, they all owe their success to the original, film that we're talking about tonight. So, I would like for you now, just so for the uninitiated, to read this very short and to the point plot synopsis. <laughs> Alrighty, here we go. Five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons. Yeah, they're fucked. It's just, that's a... It would have been five, fr- five friends are fucked. Would be a good plot synopsis. Uh, this movie, the first time I saw it, real quick before we move on, I saw this movie at about seven or eight years old, and uh, this this is the, when I think Nightmare Fuel, this is it. Okay, where we grew up, just for those of you who are listening outside of the Tennessee bubble, Morristown is... Like in terms of now, like 2019, it, it's grown up a little bit. But you got to take it back to the 80s and really even the 90s when you know you yeah, and I we were, were coming up. We were coming up. It's uh, nothing. Uh, I alluded to it before. Davy Crockett had a cabin there. Um, he lived there for a time. Um, he literally ran away. He did. That's not a joke. <laughs> but. Uh, Morristown is known for two things. Uh, the production of this movie. Actually, um, I, that would be probably a good point to point out your fiance, Sarah, worked at the Little Dutch restaurant where they yes. had the wrap party for this film. And to this day, to my knowledge, I haven't been there quite a while, but there is a framed picture of Sam and Rob and The last Bruce. time I went in and it was probably 1999, 2000. It was still there, but that was a long time since. But I've driven by there. They don't look like they've remodeled. Oh no, but I mean, if you if you want to go, little uh, Dutch restaurant, little Dutch they are restaurant, good. they're right off of Main Street, or go right in the front door and make a right, and it's right there on the wall. You'll you'll see uh, the wrap picture, and uh, there used to be a movie theater downtown on Main Street. And I'm old enough to have, the first movie memory I ever had was going to see Empire Strikes Back at that theater, or no, Return of the Jedi in that theater, and I was so little, I was afraid that the seats were going to lift up and I'd fall out the back. That's how <laughs> young I was. I was two, two and a half. Wow. Well, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that Evil Dead is something that, to this day, has a resonance in Morristown, and uh, back in the days of video stores, which I'm, I'm sad to say uh, our local video store right down the road from me, Popcorn Video, uh, just went out of business. R.I.P. I, I, I raided them pretty fucking hard. I bought a lot of stuff I was missing. Brain Scan, which is actually right next uh, to us over here. right by, There it is. Um, and Brain Damage, the great uh, Frank Herrenlotter movie. I picked those up from my collection. But 
in Morristown, we had a bunch of mo- uh, really good oh, yeah. uh, video stores, um, but they were all inconsistent on what they had. Like, for instance, like for years, I never could find Friday the 13th Final Chapter. It just it didn't exist in Morristown. Wow. However, the one movie they all had was The Evil Dead. As disgusting and like infamous as this movie was... It was sort of a bastion of honor that had been filmed in our hometown. That like absolutely, they, you know, that was always going to be there. <laughs> At Showbiz Video, I ran into a guy that operated camera that helped operate cameras on this movie, and he told me like an hour long story, whether I wanted to hear it or not, but an hour long <laughs> story because he heard me. I was talking to my girlfriend at the time, and she moved from Chicago. The ex who shall not be named. Uh, she had never seen Evil Dead. I'm like, oh my God, you've never seen Evil Dead? And he just started talking to us. He's a really nice guy. Uh, and he was one of the camera operators on this movie. You know, it, it's it's funny because uh, I have a, a similar story of knowing somebody who tangentially worked on the movie. Uh, I had a really, really mm-hmm. awesome substitute teacher in high school by the name of Don Long. Anytime you had Don Long... As a substitute teacher, you knew it was going to be an awesome day because you weren't going to do shit. He was going to tell you about the one time he worked on The Evil Dead, and he was going to bring an Anna Kortikova workout tape and show it for everybody. Wow, well, I don't think I ever had him in high school. Oh, man. He looked like Dr. Loomis if Dr. Loomis had a bad case of diabetes. <laughs> um Everything comes full circle. Um, Sam Raimi uh, is one of the most revered uh, directors, uh, both in just the genre of horror, but also just in Hollywood in general. I mean, he's he's an A-list director. Oh, absolutely. He was the one that really, we're living in a day and age of superhero movies. Like the original (laughs) Spider-Man movie was like the first one in my memory because I was Superman. The original Superman was before my time. I love them. But they were, you know, they still feel kind of hokey, but cheesy in a good way. It's Superman. You have to do it that way. But like the original Spider-Man was the first time I saw a comic book movie adapted that felt like justified. It was like a deep, like you know, I'd seen the shitty Spawn movie and all kinds of other shitty comic book movies. This is the one that made it a truly cinematic masterpiece. One positive thing about Spawn, Michael Jai White, Black Dynamite. Black Dynamite. (laughs) I threw this shit before I came in the room. (laughs) Great movie. Um, let's break down Sam Raimi because, I mean, of, of everybody involved with this movie, he's had the most high-profile career and probably, I mean, with the exception of Bruce, probably will leave the uh, biggest mark on pop culture, um, both, you know, in a writing and directing capacity. Uh, obviously, directed all three uh, Evil Dead films, and we're going to talk a little later. we got some questions uh about some of the sequels and, you know, what's our pick up for the best and worst of the series. And just, spoiler alert, there are no bad films. No, it is a contender, none of them are bad. Contender for best trilogy ever. Um, Crime Wave, a really, uh, really good, uh, low-budget, um, you know, kind of psychological slasher from made, I think, in like 82. So, I mean, it, right after this came out. Um, Dark Man, uh when you talk about superhero movies, I mean... That this, laid the template for this, what he then used on Spider-Man on a bigger scale. I love Darkman. Darkman, the, the first one, and I even like the sequels, um, but the first Darkman is one of the first movies I can remember seeing on television, because uh, i got to think this is like 
the early 90s, and I'm still, you know, a, a wee babe, five, six, maybe seven years old. And um, the makeup design on Peyton Westlake, which was played by the now infamous uh, action schlock star Liam Neeson, um, that makeup scared the shit out of me. And I mean, I mean, obviously that's supposed to be a, a yeah. reflection of you're supposed to, you want to keep dark man at arm's length. But, um, I had a, I love the movie, but it still kind of terrified me. And I was so bummed that there was no action figures for dark man. So what I did is I took, uh, a real Ghostbusters mummy figure <laughs> and I took the hat off a dark wing duck figure and a cape off of a Batman, and I made I made Darkman. So that's creativity. Yes. that's a good one. Yes, you kids have it so fucking easy. They everything. literally make everything into action figures or some form of, you know, Funko Pop or something. Speaking of which, there is no Darkman Funko Pop. There Those really fucking bastards. should be. Let's get that tw- uh, trended on Twitter, Ran Army. Hashtag uh, Funko Darkman. Dark Funko Darkman. Um, Spider Man trilogy. Um, Spider-Man 3, uh, half, uh, half a good movie. Uh, Studio interference yeah, fucked, with that, fucked um, that up. I don't blame him. Um, Spider-Man 2, uh, still probably considered, uh, probably the best superhero film ever made. And I want to quantify this in that, like, uh, Dark Knight is another contender for this, but Dark Knight is a, is, at its core, is not a superhero film. It's a, it's a crime drama that has Batman in it. As far as just a straight-ahead superhero movie, you know, About fun. one superhero. Yes. Um, Spider-Man 2 has the best story. I hate fucking organic web shooters. Uh, I saw the first Spider-Man when I graduated, the day I graduated high school, and I was so fucking butthurt about it. I've, I've come to terms with it over the years, um, but organic web shooters, and I'll get into a big, you know, down-the-rabbit-hole discussion about superheroes, but... Um, having organic web shooters really hurts the character, and they sort of uh, rectify that in Spider-Man 2 because they have it to where, well, he's lost his mojo or his uh, confidence in himself and he can't produce web. Yeah. See, because that's always a hallmark of the story, uh, yeah. Spider-Man story. Performance is. issues. Yes. <laughs> 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 it's kind of funny you point that out because uh, that in in a weird way that is that's pretty yeah. much uh, the the Spider-Man equivalent of ED. They make medication for that now, Spider-Man. <laughs> you, Toby McGuire, you. <laughs> get you some blue chew. Um, <laughs> did you ever see a simple plan? Yeah, I love that. I was going to say that's one of my non big like non Evil Dead, non Spider-Man favorite movies. Simple Plan was amazing. Um uh, the Coen Brothers, uh, this the Coen the Coen Brothers connection to Evil Dead goes back to this movie. Um, I can't remember if it's Joel or Ethan um, that Bruce uh, was in contact with, and I guess he may have even like helped in the edit bay for this film. But they had a long oh, they had a long working relationship, and they've been friends ever since. And I mean, the Coen Brothers are. Not all every movie they've made has, I would say, is terrific. But by and large, they're. I can't think of a successful. bad Coen Brothers movie. I can think they're, of some that are less entertaining than others. Well, that's but, the point I was getting ready um, to make. Um, uh, there's also a nice little uh, turnaround uh, for Bruce Campbell. I'm not to jump ahead of myself, but um, Fargo, the the movie, uh, which is a good movie, but they did. Uh, few seasons of a Fargo TV show. I don't know if you've seen this. But no, Bruce I knew Campbell, it was there. But, but because of the uh, Coen Brothers connection, Bruce Campbell actually plays um, the our your former Jelly Bean loving president, Ronald Reagan, oh my in, God. in season two, and he's, he's absolutely I've got to see that. 
Um, more recently, um, Bruce did Drag Me to Hell. Great movie. Uh, kind you of mean a Sam did Drag Me to Hell. Oh yes, Sam Raimi. Thank you for keeping me on track. Sam Sam did it, and it was sort of a, a uh, I'm sorry for Spider Man Three. It was a good nasty, and people shit on PG thirteen movies all the time. It was still plenty nasty. Bad, this is how everything's going to bad horror movie. Down and Dirty Horror Movie, that was fun. Like, it wasn't meant to shock or horrify, but they're like, you know, you're not safe. This bitch is going to Listen, hell. I saw that in the theater, and the scene where Allison Loman is in the car with the gypsy, and, like, she jams the, the, the ruler down her throat. There oh. were people, like, you know, like, in the fucking floor terrified. So, the movie's effective. Um... It's at the time it was probably the closest thing we were going to get to anything Evil Dead related because I know there's been like talks of a you know a fourth Evil Dead film for for years and finally we you have the good people at Stars to thank for you know those three great seasons of uh, Ash versus Evil Dead but Drive Me to Hell is almost you could imagine it in that universe oh, yeah, but absolutely. not directly related. Um, the most recent thing, Bruce, or sorry, Sam, I keep saying Bruce, Sam directed was Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, I liked it. I'm sorry. I, I saw it later. I didn't see it in theaters. It just came on TV one day. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch this. I didn't hate it. I, the wonderful thing about the original when I say the original, I mean the Judy Garland because there was yes, a silent version yeah. prior to that. The Judy Garland um, Wizard of Oz and even like the Return to Oz is like all of that stuff, all that wonderful production design is there in front yes, of Yes, it's very CGI heavy. I understand that. That's That and some of the acting uh, I didn't think was terrific, but I mean, it, it's you're, oh. you're, you're not going to watch Oz Great and Powerful and be offended by it. I thought it was yeah. a fine. It's what a, it it's a, a movie. Movie. Like I said, it was okay. I didn't hate it. Um, Raimi has a calling card. Uh, it's sort of been in most, if not all, of his movies. Uh, his 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88. Uh, you saw it earlier in the film when they're driving On up the road. Old Mountain Road. And um, it's best known as Ash's car. Um, it, it makes its return in Ash versus Evil Dead, yeah. uh, the TV show. Um, but it's uh, it's in Dark Man. Was it, wasn't it's that in, Uncle Ben's car in Spider Man? It was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's just one of those things. And they're lucky if they can get it to crank. So they're usually having to put it on a flatbed yeah. truck and just like uh, drive it there, drive it to wherever. Um, Sam has been known uh, to have been offered a bunch of. Uh, projects and he either turned them down or for whatever reason you know didn't get it uh, he was offered the directing job for Silent Night Deadly Night that would have been a completely oh, different whole movie whole different movie yeah um, Jack Frost the Michael Keaton movie not the killer snowman movie both are horrifying um, the Truman Show That I find this one the most mm. interesting because I the thing I love about Sam's aesthetic uh, in a directing sense, um, I know right now we're showing right now a matted picture yeah. of the moon. Um, there's a dreamlike quality to these movies um, that he's done, and and that even going back to a simple plan and like oh, yeah. the movies that are more grounded in reality. There's just a there's a hyper reality to them um, that I think the the Truman Show could have benefited from, um, kind of having more of a skewed reality for Jim Carrey's character. We are about to see the inception of the famous uh, Guardians of the Galaxy character Groot uh, here in this scene. A very notorious scene. One of the things people always talk about. Uh, tree rape. 
which we have some questions on for we'll handle later but uh this was the first real taste of this movie like this is not a safe movie this movie goes there um i now i i am at a loss to remember any other film that has tree rape in it um people but, lacked vision uh <laughs> the true vision and and bravery um when you read the description of this movie, I mean, that's really bare bones. And if you break it down, like, the, the whole premise of this movie is is very simple and to the point. Low-budget films, you kind of take what you have and you and you kind of make it work for the, you know, your project. My, my question for you is, do you think utilizing the woods almost as a, a character in of itself... Um, yeah, I mean it's it's sort of like the the, uh, the mother of necessity, like, the, the invention of of tension out of nothing um, creates a dynamic of this film that others definitely don't have. Well, yeah, like it's definitely again it's a budgetary thing, but being out in the wilderness is like modern man's big thing. They go to the woods to escape to vacation, but if the very scenery itself is attacking you. You're not near help. It gives a sense of vulnerability. Like, narratively, it really makes sense that, uh, you know, they, they did take advantage of the wooded situation. And, again, I've been thinking, too, I can think of no movies. We know a rape stove exists. <laughs> uh, we've seen it. Me and him it's have a, watched no, a movie no, no, no. where a the, vacuum cleaner has raped somebody. That's Oversex Rogue Suckers from Mars. And the movie you're referring to, um, Rape, rape stove, stove is a Short. Yeah, rape Stove is a Short, um, but you didn't tell the full title. It's Rape oh. Stove, The Stove That Rapes. The Stove which That Rapes. I apologize. Which, which is a clear reference to Deathbed, The Bed That Eats. Um... Uh, um, let's start talking about some more uh, projects that Sam was offered. He was offered Scream. That would have been a completely different film. Do you I think, think Wes Craven's aesthetic was more suited to a straight slasher movie than Sam Raimi's would have been. I, you know, I, here's the thing, though. That because, both would have been good movies. Because Scream, because Scream is a satire on... It's not a straight satire, but there's satirical elements. It's a meta movie. The I think those... Aspects of the film definitely would have been ramped up more so than what they are in the Wes Craven film. So I I, I don't I, know. It would have been a different movie, but I can't say that necessarily would have been better or worse. Well, my point with Wes Craven and in the good Wes Craven movies, he makes you care about the people getting getting killed. And you know, Sam Raimi movies like his horror, especially, it's all fun. He makes you feel the horror, but he doesn't you know necessarily have you. And with the exception of like Ash and the Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, which we'll get into that later, how this Ash is not the Ash everybody knows and loves. This is proto-Ash. This is proto-Ash. But Wes Craven, the reason his, his uh, scream, you know, he gives you that time with Drew Barrymore right there at the beginning and then kills it and you feel it. They just killed a person. Sam Raimi, not necessarily, he would. the horror might have been a little better or different, but that, that's why I think Wes Craven's aesthetic was perfect for that movie. Well, I'll, I'll just on principle, I'll, I'll agree with you. Although I still, you can disagree. I, I, I mean, they I, both I, would have been good movies I, because if it's hard to quantify, like yeah, would have exactly. been better. I, I would have, I would have liked to have seen it. Um, but I mean, it is what it is, and uh, I mean, obviously, Wes Craven's no no schlub when it comes to, no. to horror. Uh, he was offered uh, Planet of the Apes, uh, that the Tim Burton one, the Tim Burton oh. one, which uh, is not a good movie, but the effects and makeups movie are and look, fucking yeah. fantastic. Um, Warcraft, uh, that was in uh, pre-production with him for 
years. I've never saw it. Um, Duncan Jones directed that, who is the son of uh, the late David Bowie. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, he was offered End of Days, the Schwarzenegger movie. I'm glad he passed on yeah, that. Yeah, that's probably probably for the best. I have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. It's a but, good, bad movie, but, but it's, it's not a, a good, good movie. No, no, not a good movie. Batman Forever. That's the most intriguing. Oh, yeah, the, the Sam Raimi aesthetic on a Batman movie, especially when they were going like ballsy and camp, campy, that uh, would have been possibly amazing. Uh, let, me, let me ask you this. A Sam Raimi-directed Batman movie... With Bruce Campbell as Batman. I think I came a little bit just now. <laughs> like, that would be amazing. Like, I, I, I hate to say this, I love Bruce Campbell, but it would, like, they, the, what Joel Schumacher talked about wanting to take a campy. I think with Bruce Campbell as Batman and Sam Raimi directing, like, God, the 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 whole element, everything would have been amazing. I don't, I don't care how old Bruce Campbell gets. I want to see a movie version of the 1966 series with Bruce Campbell oh, as yeah. Batman. Well, he's got to have some shark repellent <laughs> and rehydrate the the UN. And it's an amazing movie. Uh, one last thing on Bruce before we... Uh, Sam. Sam. God damn it, I keep saying that. I've got, Sam, I've got Bruce Campbell on the brain. Um, Who one, wouldn't? One last thing about Sam. Um, uh, his biggest writing contribution, aside from the movies he directed, was The Hudsucker Proxy with Tim Robbins. Great movie. Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, it's a Coen Brothers movie. Um, you know, for kids. <laughs> for for I'd kids. Like, I'm a huge fan of the Coen Brothers. He did, obviously doesn't feel as strongly. I'm a huge Coen Brothers. Even like... The Coen Brothers movies that knock it out of the park, knock it out of the park. The other ones like uh, Burn After Reading. Like, eh, I just, love Burn After I Reading. Don't, it doesn't resonate with me. It's a movie where nothing happens, and I understand that completely. It's a it's a it's an exercise in ludicrousness. Anyway, let's move on to the man of the hour. The well, oh, well, well I'm sorry. Before, I'm skipping before ahead. we before we get into Bruce, and trust me, like I've, like we've pointed out, we're going to get him, into got Bruce. Him, yeah, mm, that's sweet salt and pepper. I call hair. Chin. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's oddly enough the hardest and the softest part of his body. <laughs> um, Last episode, the Pet Cemetery episode, which is available in uh, the archive, we introduced a new segment called Trope on It. So, the idea of this being that a actor or a director of said film has a set of aesthetics that they apply to whatever project, knowingly or unknowingly, that they work on. I see that. So... I'm going to read out uh, a list of ten tropes uh, that Bruce Campbell... Uh, or sorry, Sam Raimi is known for. See, I keep doing it. I, he's Bruce Campbell. I don't blame you. Sam Raimi is known for. Okay, trope number one: Olds old, can't talk. Oldsmobile Delta eighty eight is used or seen. Bruce Campbell stars or cameos. Tad Raimi makes a cameo. Fast speed slash unseen force shot. Stop motion animation. Comical abuse of a character. Villain with sympathetic backstory. Character experiences extreme duress or insanity. Protagonist is a quick-witted smartass. Use of fake shimps slash standass. Now, we're going to get to the fake shimps. Um, 10 out of 10. Now, last episode, we did uh, Stephen King tropes, and we've kind of come to the conclusion that um, a, a Pet cemetery is sort of atypical, 
of some of the things that Stephen King is known for, yeah. you know, abusive alcoholic. Um, well, it was um, the religious. it was the book that was so messed up. He almost didn't publish. He's like, my career is over if I publish this. So yeah. But my point being is yeah. that it, it's not it it's not the most Stephen King esque story Stephen King ever wrote. Yeah. However, you could probably make the argument that this may be the most Sam Raimi movie ever. It would made. have to be this or Evil Dead Two. They well, all of the things that are done in this movie are done in Evil Dead Two just a hundred times more. Yeah, it's like like to the uh, to the max. So ten out of ten. Trope on it! Bruce Campbell. Sexiest chin alive. <laughs> Fuck you, Jay Leno. <laughs> Fuck you, Jay Leno. Um, Bruce Campbell plays the role of Ash Williams. Uh, you never hear the name Williams in any of the films. That's just canonical stuff that's come out after the fact. And we find out... Uh, his middle name is, uh, the initial is J, and, um, God, and I'm blanking on what it actually... I'm blanking, too. Isn't it Jocelyn or something? Or it's something. Ashley Jocelyn or something similar, <laughs> something also very effeminate. <laughs> um, you'll have to go and, um... Google it. Google it, or, uh, check out Evil, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, because they, they make a Watch joke it all. out of it. Yes, all three seasons. Um, Maniac Cop 1 and 2, mm-hmm. um... Maniac Cop 2, uh, I want to point out, is being one of the few sequels to a low-budget movie that is 100% better than the original. Now, I like the, like the first one. you got to love you know, Tom Atkins. God damn, love you, Tom, Tom Atkins. Atkins. we love you. The day you die is a day I'm going to cry tears. I'm, I'm going to commit suicide. <laughs> I want to join him in Valhalla. The party's going to be off the chain. Can you go to Valhalla if you commit suicide? No, I won't commit suicide. I'll die suicide by cop. You die in battle. Oh, okay. I'm just playing. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> um, uh, one of his early movies was a film called Intruder. It's just a gritty exploitation slasher movie. Um, he's really fresh-faced in it. Still got that fucking unibrow, which is one of the benefits to the, the sequels that um, that was eliminated. I, I don't think Bruce was quite uh, the movie star that he uh, at this point that he, no. and that he ended up becoming. Um, cause, and I don't know this for sure, but I've heard that, you know, Bruce is a, a little bit on the vain side of, you know, like, don't film me from this angle, that stuff. You know, I'm getting older, you know, I gotta make sure the chin's on display. I understand that. I mean, his whole career has look been his looks. Look at it. Look at the glorious of it. You can't really see his unibrow too much in this yeah, shot. I just want to run my pinky in the cleft of his chin. <laughs> just once. <laughs> You, it's fifty bucks, and you get three seconds, and uh, no eye Done. contact. Great money spent, money well spent. Um, he was in a showdown, uh, showdown vampire and retreat with David Carradine. Now, um, I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, well, well, we we have a connection uh, about this movie oh. that I'm going to bring up. Uh, one of my ex girlfriends, um, Amy, who you're friends with. Oh yeah, with, Amy. Um, we were dating, and she ranted about this movie. Like, oh my god, you've got to see this movie! And it's just a really campy, offbeat vampire movie where uh, Bruce Campbell plays. Um, I can't remember, remember if exactly if he is. Um, oh my god, why am I blanking on it? Uh, the character's name that hunts down Dracula, Van Helsing. Van Helsing. I can't remember if he's actually Van Helsing or if he's just a Van Helsing. Type. Approximation. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he actually is Van Helsing. Or maybe he's like the the grandson Descendant. of yeah. Van Helsing. But 
it's a really good movie. It's it's a little bit on the, a little bit more on the obscure side. Um, I have a bias against '90s movies, and it was made, I believe, in like the early '90s. So I remember seeing it on the VHS, you know, the VHS aisle and the cover and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this isn't this isn't a serious slasher movie from the '80s. I'm not watching this shit." Um, but I'm glad I did. Thank you, Amy. A uh, really good movie. Um, he was in Waxwork Two, the one where they yeah, uh, do that. the time travel. Zach Galligan, really good movie. Um, I like both of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that that hasn't been a remade. I have to interject very briefly here in a second that the no, it's not right here. I'm sorry. No, it is right oh, there. The right. pencil to the ankle. That like was my biggest. Oh God, that still bothers me to this day. And I've watched this movie three times. It's just so horrific. I can't imagine a worse place to get stabbed with a pencil. The gore in this movie is so thick it's and so viscous gross and, and just like. Like, good, fun horror movies, like there's this, and the other one I point out that has, it's gory, but it's just so weird, different and weird is uh, the original Fright Night. Yeah. That kind of gooey, icky, gory. I love it. Um, I'm going to have to get ahead of myself on the You Just Got Busted uh, issues, but I'm going to throw this as a bonus in there. Do you know uh, the bat creature that is in Fright Night towards the end of the movie? Yes. That's a prop that was built for Ghostbusters, and... I think it was like Laszlo Kovacs or somebody from the production end was like, yeah, we can't put this on screen. It's going to get us an R rating. So <laughs> yeah. they, they excised it from the movie and they repurposed it for Fright Night. So Fright, Fright Night benefited from uh, something cut from So you from got ancillary busted, right? Yeah. Now. That's, that's, that's <laughs> not, not, not usually I get to do <laughs> something like that. Um, he was in Congo with uh, Ernie Hudson, who was in Ghostbusters. So there's your first. You just got busted. You got busted. Official. <laughs> Uh, Escape from L.A., which is a it's it's both. bad masterpiece. <laughs> he has the goddamn doll hair plugs and the like the, the overly like he's my favorite part of that movie and Snake Plissken surfing, which offended me morally and deeply, but it's so dumb it works. Do you know that John Carpenter prefers Escape from L.A. He's to wrong. Escape from New York? He's wrong. I love you, John Carpenter, but he, he's wrong. I, I understand the reasons why he it's does. It's more and it's bigger. It's just it's it's almost like it's it's kind of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two route of doing the same thing but in a more crank it to crazy. Yeah, so it's it's almost a satire on on the first movie. But yes, Bruce Campbell plays the Surgeon General and he's terrific in it. Uh, he was in twelve episodes of Hercules: The Legendary Journeys, which was on fucking Fox twenty four seven when I was a kid. Oh god, yeah. You uh, even if you didn't like those shows. It and Xena, you, you couldn't help but like absorb them by osmosis. Yeah. Uh, 22 episodes of Jack of All Trades, which was produced by the same people. Um, I don't know that I ever saw that. It's not my favorite, but I mean, it's Bruce Campbell, so there, there's at least a. We'll get a, to my favorite thing on Fox, I'm certain. Um, Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep. Where he plays a. Uh, uh, a the real Elvis who switched places with a impersonator <laughs> named Sebastian Half, and he fights a mummy with the help with a of Black, Black Jeff Kay. It's, it's, it's one of the best concepts and executions of just an offbeat horror that I've ever seen. One of the... Yeah. Don, Costa, Don Coscarelli. Don Coscarelli. I love that it, Yes, and wrote it. Um, it's really sad that Bruce has all these iconic roles, and it seems like... There's a fan base so rabid to want sequels of these things, 
And for whatever reason, they're just never able to get off the ground in a timely manner. Now, they almost made a sequel to... Um, it's going to be called Bubba Nosferatu. Oh, and Ron right. Perlman was going to play young Elvis in the movie, which I don't know how that would have worked, but... I don't care. We, we Make were, it. We were robbed of that. Um, uh, the Evil Dead has a spiritual sequel called My Name is Bruce, where Bruce yeah. Campbell plays basically a more... An ex- exaggerated version of himself. Yes. So. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but... I didn't hear. Do you have? It might be later, and I don't want to cut him off. Briscoe County Jr. Oh yes, Briscoe County Jr. That which is his stated favorite role he's ever done. And I will state it now for people who are going to probably argue with me incessantly about this: The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. is the greatest one-season TV show. Ever. Fuck you, Firefly. It's not Firefly, which is really good. Yeah. Joss Whedon does good stuff, but it's not Firefly. It's not Freaks and Geeks. It's the Adventures of Briscoe County. I agree. You you get no argument from me. Uh, More recently, uh, Bruce has uh, been (coughs) mainly doing television. He did 111 episodes of Burn Notice on USA. I I saw a good 30 of them. Not my cup of tea. Um, the uh, female lead in that show looks like Skeletor. Don't, uh, that's a big turnoff. Jeffrey Donovan, who's the star of that show, was in uh, Book of Shadows, uh, Blair Witch 2. Uh, I may be one of three people that actually likes that oh, movie. Oh, no, I fucking love it. Two of the three people are in this room okay. right fucking now. Um, that movie had so much uh, studio interference, and they add, they made uh, I'm blanking Just on the guy's name. weird ass, but I can't. The director oh. who did Paradise Lost uh, mm. Trilogy and uh, uh, he's yeah. a mo- mostly a documentarian, and it was his idea. Like, no, I want to make a, a narrative film uh, rather because why retread the exactly. Blair Witch Two is a, a is a really good movie. Anyways, um, Jeffrey Donovan was in that. I'm getting off track. Um, Bruce won the Best Actor on Television Award for the Saturn Awards in 2016. He's now the host of the Revival series for Ripley's Believe It or Not. I work for Ripley's, so that is a really cool uh, connection I have. Um, fingers crossed, one day, maybe I'll get to meet Bruce. There's been some talks that he may be coming to do a uh, some stuff uh, with us in Gatlinburg, Tennessee for a parade. Um, I was literally 100 feet away from him, and because of the poor... Um, uh, layout and uh, knowledge and coordination of the people at Fanboy Expo in Knoxville, Tennessee. I was unable to meet him, and I could have murdered somebody. I was so fucking angry. Um, I got a broken toe out of it. This has been a really shitty couple of weeks. I won't go into I, detail because I, I don't want to. We get... need to take a podcast break so I can give my man a hug here real quick. <laughs> um. Bruce has a couple of books. Um, both of them were really good sellers. Um, if Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor, um, our personal friend uh, and uh, one of the original fans of this podcast, Matt Underwood, uh, got to meet Bruce uh, when this book came out, got him to autograph it and, and everything. This is in a At time. the Waffle House, where I'm like, Matt, so you want to go to Waffle House? And I'm like, nah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, okay, um, he has another one called Make Love, the Bruce Campbell Way. It's an amazing mock-you thing about preparing for a movie with uh, uh, Richard Gere. 
it, I, I can't recommend it enough. I laughed until, like, literally, you say side-splitting laughter. I hurt. I laughed so much reading that book. And um, most recently, he's had a third book uh, come out called Hell to the Chin, Further Confessions of a B-Movie Actor. I need to read that one. I haven't read the third one. The first book he wrote, If Chins Could Kill, like, if you open, uh, I don't know if it's in the, the paperback, but in the, the hardback cover, you open it up, and, like, the first or second page is a map that oh, shows yeah, you shows where like a little mo- Tennessee Like a little is. moonshine little icon <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, that's still in the paperback. That's really cool. Uh, Bruce is an ordained minister. Um, I don't know how you would go about getting his services to marry you and uh, and whoever, but um, I'd say a lot of money. He probably <laughs> that's probably the only way. Well, I mean, you know, Bruce kind of has a uh, he's okay, a, a Bill Murray kind of yeah. He's, uh, he might do it or might. You know. It's just we know, like time permitting, and uh, the and, inscrutable uh, Bruce Campbell. Yes, he's uh, he's he's an interesting gentleman. Now. He's married to, and I'm going to butcher this name, Ida Giron, who was the costume designer designer on the movie Mind Warp that he worked on. And I believe, and uh, I may be incorrect on this, that um, she ended up working on like all of the Hercules and Xena oh. TV shows as a costume designer as well. If I'm incorrect about that, I'm sure I will hear about it uh, pretty quickly. Um, let's talk about the other members of our cast. Um, this is a pretty small cast of characters. Some of they all end up playing basically dual roles with the exception of Bruce himself. Um, he gets that distinction in, you know, the sequels oh, of yes. playing multiple roles. Good ash. I'm bad ash. <laughs> Love it. Um, Ellen Sandweiss, and I'm, yet again, I'm probably butchering that name. She plays Cheryl, who's Ash's sister. She's the one who gets tree raped. Um, she, uh, is a Michigan, you know, gal. I mean, she was on board from the get-go. She was in, within the woods, um, before they ever got this. So, I mean, she was with the crew from, you know, day one. Uh, she plays, uh, a sort of like a publicist, manager kind of character in My Name is Bruce. Uh, she's in Brutal Massacre, a comedy. Have you ever seen that? No. It's basically if you did the idea of this is Spinal Tap, but about making a movie. Oh. Um, David Naughton, who was in um, American Werewolf in London. Um, Gunnar Hansen, God rest his soul, uh, plays a cra- crazy character in there. There's a lot of horror uh, actors and actresses that came to kind of spoof you know, their aspects of it. I used to have this movie, and I borrow, I let someone borrow it and never got it back, and I need to actually try that down. Um, she reprised her role as Cheryl in two episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead. That was a nice little callback. Um, you find out that uh, Ivan, not Ivan, but uh, Ted Raimi's character and her maybe had some uh, relationship going on. And she's the mother of actress Jessie Hodges. Um, she's kind of come into you know, popularity a little bit over the past few years. Um, now, in a weird way, um, Ellen has become a kind of sex symbol um, because of the tree rape. And that's really weird. We're not here to kink shame, but man... You know, if it was tree love, I'd be down with it. But this is tree rape. There was no consent given. <laughs> so I'm I'm off board. Well, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that we like to take movies that don't have a lot of sex appeal and inject a little bit in there. So this segment is called Sex It Up! 
So what we're going to do is I'm going to give you the sexy version of Evil Dead, and it is called Evil Head. Our hero, Snatch Williams, defends his sluts from headites, summoned by an ancient sex manual known as the Necronomicum. Uh, Contain your boners! If I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I already warned him in advance I might have trouble hiding my boner for this movie. And that just kicked it up to 11. Okay, well, his boner goes to 11, Spinal Tap's... Um, amps go to 11. It all ties back together. But it's only millimeters. Uh, <laughs> Alrighty. Let's, that's uh, what a fist is for. <laughs> just real quickly, we've been kind of passing by all the, the nice gore and ick that's been happening in this movie. I just want to interject real quick. Like the face goo and this right here where they're just flopping around bodies. Like As a little kid seeing this, I literally could never imagine any movie more gory, anything is disgusting. Now, obviously there are. I saw it young, but, like, this damn movie. The the blood in this movie is a combination of caro syrup and, like, white coffee creamer. It gives it, a like, a more... Creamy, yeah, thick. thicker uh, aesthetic than, you know, straight caro syrup and red food color. Oh, yeah. Um, Betsy Baker plays the role of Linda. Um... I don't... Uh, okay. It's as hard to, to say this without coming across as uh, being demeaning at her looks. I want to say this is a positive. Back in the 80s and the 70s, um, low-budget movies could have real-looking people in them. Yeah. And, like, you know, Ellen and um, Teresa and Betsy, they're... They're not models. They're girl next door, yeah. like they're cute, cute chicks. Yeah. Um, but Betsy to me is more attractive now than she was then, and I mean she's no spring chicken. Um, but I remember uh, being a, a kid and um, being almost negative <laughs> towards Betsy. I'm like, why would Ash? Why would Ash? You want to get with? She does Linda. Butt, she does butt stuff. Okay, well that that explains that's it all. That's canon now. I uh, said it. <laughs> <laughs> he rests his chin on asshole. <laughs> yeah, the, the, they were eating ass before all you kids. You gin wank. <laughs> that's a okay. that's an old Sumerian deadite practice. So <laughs> you, <laughs> if <laughs> you stick that deadite tongue all the way up the poop chute. And, <laughs> if you don't get possessed from that, then like, why are you even? Why are you even doing this? You know, this? she knows what it takes to make a guy love her. It's butt stuff. <laughs> there was a short-lived uh, show called Dangerous Women, and I didn't know anything about this until doing research that she did with Ellen and Teresa from this movie, um, Dangerous Women, uh, kind of a, a project for them to you know get back together and kind of. Uh, I don't want to say ride the coattails, but I mean uh, they're, they're using what the, what fame they have. Yeah. No, no shame, man. Go go for it. Uh, but she had some smaller roles in uh, Sharp Objects, Shameless, The Orville, American Horror Story, Grey's Anatomy, Ray Donovan, True Blood. Um, probably the most thing of note uh, that happened to her on set because this this set was obviously there wasn't anybody keeping a, a OSHA track on. was not part of this yes, movie there was no OSHA there was no safety uh, consultant in any regard when they were doing her um, makeup like the prosthetic I guess or whatever it ripped her fucking eyelashes out 
I think I'd heard that story before, but I think I tried. And I know something about the contacts. They couldn't keep them in for more than like 30 minutes at a time because they were solid glass and they didn't breathe. Yeah. And uh, they get stuck trying to get them out. It's a lot different now because, I mean, contact technology has grown by leaps and bounds. But, yeah, they were hard glass contacts. And, um, I mean, you have to let the eye breathe. Otherwise, it dries out and you don't want to, you know, dry, dried eyes. Her story, her talking about how that that stuff messed with her eyes, like, it was, I, I just winced that entire interview. Now, my favorite of the characters uh, on the female end of this movie is Teresa Tilly uh, playing the role of Shelley. However, in if you go and look at the credits of this movie, she's credited as Sarah York. Reason being is she was a member of the, you know, the Actors Guild yeah. and they didn't want to get penalized for being in this non-union movie. Um... That distinction is also uh, held by Richard DeManicor, uh, who plays Scott in the movie. Um, he acted under the name of Hal Delrich, or D. Delrich. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. We'll say Delrich. Delrich's a little Nazi-esque. So. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's just, it's it's funny, like, that this is what they're 100% known for. And they, they were, don't even have the real names yeah, attached. Yeah, they didn't have the real names attached to it. And I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the time they probably thought it would just melt into the crowd of other horror movies, make them a few bucks. But they didn't realize they were really working on the the foundation of a classic trilogy, and you know what sort of look like franchise to begin with. Yeah, um, you can see that it's sort of a blessing and a curse to be involved with a movie like this um, because. Either you get typecast, or you're like, "Oh, well, this is the you know the shit you're in. We're not going to hire you for anything reputable." But Teresa has done a few things. Uh, she worked with Sam again on Oz, Great and Powerful, so that's been fairly recently. Yeah, um, she has some smaller roles in Six Feet Under and Family Law, but for the most part, this is the this big, big thing, big claim to fame. Um, Richard, pretty much the same thing. He was in Evil Dead. He was in Crime Wave. Um, his character was named after a friend of the director, Scott Spiegel, and it's a weird uh, thing. I don't know how this all came about, but I was doing my research, and reportedly, he was almost the director of Halloween 6. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you go from, like, whatever to whatever, but, um, you know... By all accounts, uh, if that indeed is true, he almost directed Halloween 6, which in of itself, you know, is uh, a a whole can of worms there. A whole rabbit hole to go down. Let's talk about Ted Raimi. And the reason I want to talk about Ted Raimi is because of there's the initial shoot and then there's the post shoot version of this movie. Um, You and I are both huge Three Stooges fans. Oh, God, yes. And this movie uh, coined a term, uh, or popularized a term, called fake shimps. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take the lead to explain what a fake shimp is? You need to, and I apologize for people, but I'm about to sneeze. I'm sorry. All right, you do You do what you got to do. All right, back in um, the days where they were doing the, <laughs> the Three Stooges, 
Um, they had a lot of bad luck. Um, you know, Curly had a stroke, so they brought in Shemp, who is my favorite stooge. And Shemp ended up dying, but they they had commitments to where they had filmed some stuff, but they needed shots. So back of the head kind yeah, of stuff. So they brought people in who would basically be stand-ins for Shemp, and that's where the term fake Shemp comes from. Now, Ted Raimi, in the context of this movie, pretty much plays everybody. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> they needed pickup shots to make this a cohesive narrative, and uh, he's got a bigger role in Evil Dead 2. Oh, and yeah. He's gone on to you know do a lot of acting and you know here or there. Um, oddly enough, he's in Candyman um, for like two seconds, but I remember... Thinking, you know, as a kid, like, he looks familiar, but, you know, now as an adult, I'm like, oh, it all makes sense. Um, but, yeah, he was in Blood Rage, uh, really good, um, kind of forgotten slasher movie. In fact, they did it on uh, Joe, ba- Joe Bob's Last Drive-In oh. uh, during uh, this first season, which we're getting a season two here pretty soon. I'm looking forward to that. Um, he's in Shocker, um, another great Wes Craven. It's an underrated classic. Like, I, I, I rented that to show my stepdaughter's uh, like, you know, this is how it was done. Uh, he's in Darkman. He's in two episodes of Twin Peaks. And all everything always comes everything. back to him. He's in Patriot Games with Harrison Ford. And uh, he's also in uh, Clear and Present Danger with Pe- President uh, Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah. Uh, he's in Maniac Cop 3. So if you take the whole Maniac Cop trilogy, there's always there's somebody. There's always a tie. There's always a tie. Uh, Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Which is a really good movie. It really it's is. One of, one of the better um, uh, Van Damme films. He was in Stuart Saves His Family, which was directed by Harold Ramis, who was Egon in Ghostbusters. You just got busted again. Double busting. Uh, he was a in movie the- I actually saw opening weekend. Oh my before god! Before it got pulled. It's this is before I paid for movies when I got in the movies yeah. for free. I'm like, I'll go see it. I think I, I think it's one of the three or four movies I've ever fallen asleep during. Um, yeah, uh, not uh, Harold Ramis's finest hour. No, definitely. Um, he was in fifty-seven episodes of Sequest twenty thirty-two. I have given my disdain on multiple occasions on this podcast for Sequest. Fuck that show. I don't know what it is about dolphins and stuff that really turns me off, but there's just something about sea life and like, fuck this. It's sad. My dad used to love that show and I'd just be sitting there watching. I'm like, this is the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> okay, it's got Roy Schneider. That's only the scenes with Roy Schneider because, I mean, I had to watch it with him. It wasn't just something he liked. He's like, man, sequence coming on. Get over here. And that's nothing what my dad sounded like. Again, I'm no Daryl Hammond. Which is a th- you know a more modern reference for you kids than Rich Little, but uh, <laughs> you know that's a callback. That's a callback. Oh, um, uh, he's in Wishmaster. He's in forty-two episodes of Xena Warrior Princess. Um, I didn't realize this until doing the research of like how involved uh, the the Raimi camp was in all of those Fox syndicated, you know. Adventure Hercules fantasies, yeah, but they the Hercleverse. They they yes, they they all worked on all of them. He was in the Grudge. He was in Rain Over Me with Adam Sandler. Who was in I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry with Dan Aykroyd. Who was in <laughs> Ghostbusters? You just got busted again. You got busted once for each old people. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I, won't, I won't stop until your ears are filled. Um, he was in Midnight Meat Train. Uh, what do you think about that? I like that movie. It was it was unexpected. 
Uh, I remember reading about it and then not hearing anything. And then just one day, I think it's on Netflix. I'm like, well, now Bradley Cooper's a lot bigger star. I love the guy who played the killer. Bully uh, 2 Tony's all I can think of him yeah. from Snatch. I was like, I loved it. They did the source material justice as well. Yeah, that's a Clive Barker Clive story. Barker. Okay, let's talk about the composer of this movie. His name is Joseph DeLuca. Um, he he did all the Evil Dead trilogy. He also did Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. Uh, so there's a, a, a nice H.B. Lovecraft kind of connection mm-hmm. with all this. 39 episodes of Masters of the Universe. That's the 2002 series. I was working at a KB Toys when that came out, and fucking people went nuts over that. Um, I was I was hoarding toys um, <laughs> so I could resell them for a higher value. Yes, I'm that asshole. I apologize. I would never do that now, but you got to think I was like a, an 18 year old kid. Um, I was too. I was 21 at the time, so I was too busy drunk to even know that existed until <laughs> like two years later. Oh man! Now, I worked in a toy store, and I love I love cartoons, so I, it was right up my alley. Um, Thirty four episodes of Spartacus, really good show. Yeah. Um, Curse of Chucky and Color Chucky, more recently, I didn't realize both good that. movies. I uh, did thirty episodes of The Librarians, which is some TNT show that like sad you know middle aged wives get. A- he he no fuck you! It's a fun adventure romp when you don't want shit that's too heavy. It's Dean Devlin and somebody else that did all those cheesy fucking action movies in the 90s, adventure movies. Like, I think they had part in, like, Independence Day and just dumb shit. Yeah, so 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 uh, so entertainment for sad um, housewives, sad housewives <laughs> and fat podcasters. Um, he did twenty episodes of a Disjointed, which is the uh, Kathy Bates show where she's. Uh, I saw two episodes. I didn't hate it, but I had no interest. In I, I love further. Kathy Bates, but she terrifies me. She'll break your legs. All I think about's about Schmidt, and then I just have to go Ugh. to private time. Oh jeez, <laughs> your reaction is completely different than mine. Yes. <laughs> Um, he won a Prime Time Emmy Award in 2009 for Outstanding Music Composition for a Series, uh, Original Dramatic Score, for an episode, uh, Prophecy, on the show Legend of the Seeker, which is also one of the, like, Sam Raimi tangentially... I have to stop Brandon here, because Bruce motherfucking Campbell was on The Librarians as Santa Claus. Oh, well, I, I apologize that I didn't... Suck it. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's a good episode. <laughs> The editor of this film was Edna Ruth Paul. Uh, she did uh, Dirty Mouth uh, in 1970. I don't know what I, that is, but that, I love it, it. It's a it's a it's a movie about Lenny Bruce. Oh yeah, um, I can see that. A big deal at the time. Lenny Bruce, you know, uh, a paved way for free speech and and comedy. And it's because of him that I can say fuck right now. Yes, yeah, so boner titty farts. Thank you, Lenny Bruce. <laughs> Uh, she did a whole bunch of after ABC ABC I can't talk ABC after school specials. Um, we grew up kind of on the tail oh. end of that phenomenon. My favorite one was a rerun where Helen Hunt did jumps PCP. out the fucking window. I yes, I don't know if she did that episode or not, but I don't give her credit for it. No, it was Helen Hunt. I've looked. No, no, no. no. I'm oh, talking about Andrew Ruth. Yeah, we're giving Andrew Ruth that. <laughs> um, uh, I've kind of alluded to this before, but reportedly Joel Cohen uh, assisted in the editing with Edna Ruth Paul in this movie. Um, Gary Holt, who produced this movie, not Gary Holt of Exodus and now Slayer, <laughs> mind you, um, 
Uh, he worked in the camera department. Uh, several of his movies include uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which is a really weird movie, and Alice Cooper's in it, and Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. If you've never seen it, check it out at least once. Uh, did Being There with Peter Sellers, which is one of the best movies ever made. Uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie, Alter States, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, with Burt Reynolds, who I saw a few months before he died. He looked like a skeleton. We miss you so much. R.I.P. Also, Stroker Ace with uh, Bruce, uh, Staying Live, the sequel to uh, the fuck, the Saturday Night Night Fever. Lethal Weapon 2, The Addams Family, Under Siege with Steven Seagal. The Fugitive, Exit to Eden with Dan Aykroyd, who's in Ghostbusters, (laughs) got busted again, and Batman Forever. That just got your ear holes busted. Alright, we're going to plow through these real quick, because I want to get to our our fan questions. Oh, I do too. we got some general trivia as well. Um, Ivan Ramey, uh, brother of, uh, of Sam, uh, he, he wrote Darkman, Army of Darkness, Drag Me to Hell, oh, and a few know. episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead, and he acted in a movie called Nude Bowling Party that Hot. came out in 1995. I've got to track that down. I'm, I'm erect right now, <laughs> but I'm still thinking of Kathy Bates and about Schmidt, so. So you got a double boner. <laughs> it's, it's a diamond-studded fuck hammer, isn't damn it? Damn right. Unbreakable. Rob Tappert, um, incredibly important to the Evil Dead films. He produced a lot of Sam's movies. Uh, he did the Evil Dead trilogy, Dark da- Darkman trilogy, Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme, Mantis, which was uh, he did the TV movie and 22 episodes of that show. Um... Fox was always trying to get superhero shows off the ground, and they just never really got it going other than like their animated shows, but yeah. Mantis has a has a following. Time Cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme. American Gothic, it did 22 episodes of that. 49 episodes of Young Hercules. 111 episodes of Hercules, The Legendary Journey. 134 episodes of Xena, Warrior Princess. Did The Grudge 1 and 2. Boogeyman 1 and 2. Uh, two the 2005 movie, not the, the 80s uh, Boogeyman. Um, 30 Days a Night, which is pretty good. Um, Poltergeist, um, he did the shit remake from 2015, not the, not the good I, one. I will never watch that. Sam but if Rock- somebody told me it was good, I would give it a chance. Sam Rockwell is in it. And if Foreshadowing. He if he can't get me to watch it, then I'm not going to. Mm. Uh, he produced Don't Breathe. I want to tell a really quick story about Don't Breathe that just kind of highlights how fucked up my sense of humor is. A, a sense of humor that I know oh, I, share, absolutely. I share with you. Uh, me and Fat Fuck Scott, uh, we saw this in the theater. Uh, he and his wife had won some like free tickets, but I was planning on seeing this movie anyway, so we kind of made it like a you know group thing. So it gets to the scene where um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, the actor. Oh, Michael Richard. Oh, fuck. I know who you're uh, saying. The uh, villain of the piece. Yeah. Anyways, he, he's he got this uh, turkey baster full of his jizz, and the protagonist like shoves it in his fucking throat. Choke and, on that. And, and there is, I mean, like, aud- audible gasp in the theater. <laughs> and people, people are like so turned off and shocked by this. I'm in the floor fucking laughing. I did too. But here's how fucked up my sense of humor was when he was also filling it up. I'm not a rapist. Trying to do like a Bane voice. That had me cracking up too. But when she shoved it in his face, my girlfriend was horrified and I fucking died. Oh my god. Uh, (laughs) Um... 
Uh, Rob Tabbert was the uh, college roommate of and best friend to Ivan Ramey, so that's how they all got involved. Um, he has been married to Lucy Lawless, a.k.a. Xena, Warrior Princess, since 1998. Good for fucking you, man, because she is still real. Yeah, I know. I saw hot. her on Spartacus, like, you know, not too, like, when it came out, but, like, uh, damn, she held up. Yeah, she, uh, she's on, uh, she did, a, like, the last few episodes, or last few seasons of, uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah, yeah that was. Uh, I don't really care for her as a blonde, but, uh, man, those fucking eyes, uh, uh, I want to touch real quick on uh, the DVD releases of Evil Dead. It and Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness have been released so, so many, many times. times. Trumped probably only by public domain movies like Night of the Living Dead, but like commercial, yeah. still copyright protected films. Uh, it was released in 1980, uh, can talk, 1998 edition with five different covers. 1999, a special edition. Uh, 2002, the 20, 20th Anniversary Edition. 2002, the Book of the Dead Edition, which is the one I have. And then there's a 2007 edition, which is probably the best one to have because uh, it's multi-disc. And it's then why don't a lot. you have it, loser? Because the, the, Hang book, your head in shame. the Book of the Dead Edition looks <laughs> yeah, cooler on a show. It does. That totals, in the U.S., nine versions if you include the different covers for the 1998 edition. Um so let's, uh, let's do some general trivia really quick. Um, the scenes where everybody is smoking pot had to be reshot because they actually smoked pot and the takes were unusable. <laughs> you couldn't get away with that on a movie set today, or at least uh, not studio easily. movie. You, you could do it on independent well, movies. Well, I'm, I'm speaking about you yeah. know, a, a mainstream film. Um, reportedly, Bruce Campbell twisted his ankle during filming and Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert being, you know, friends of his, they kind of would they love to tease Bruce? That's why they put him so, through so much shit and even more shit in Evil Dead too. Oh god, yeah. But they would poke his ankle with sticks as like <laughs> a as a motivator in the movie, I guess, to, to, for to get him more afraid and afraid and yeah, and invested in the character. Um, the cabin was used as lodging for the crew. There was like somewhere I want to say conservatively somewhere between fifteen and. Uh, 20 people that slept in the cabin and it's fucking cold when they're filming oh, yeah. this and it got to the point where the conditions were so bad that at the end of filming where they knew they were going to wrap they started burning furniture as a means of staying warm i want to point out real quick that these blood scenes are just phenomenal. fucking phenomenal just and this is shit that, like, this was not commonplace in movies no. at this time. This broke all the rules because there was a, a big, you know, uh, the MPAA still will not give this movie an R rating. No. Um, but, it, yeah, I, I love all this. Um, the the blood dripping on the lens and running down the, the screen. It's just good stuff. Um, reportedly, a cameraman fell into Bruce while filming and knocked out several of Bruce's teeth with the camera. Um, I don't know if that's 100% true. I've heard it enough to where I think that there's at least some truth to it. I'm going to pretend it's that fat guy I met at the showbiz video. <laughs> he was nice. You motherfucker. You knocked Bruce Campbell's teeth out, you whore. <laughs> um... Uh, the ripped poster of The Hills Have Eyes uh, that you see in the basement, it, that's, a, that's a jab at Wes Craven, who had a ripped poster of Jaws in The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Um, Sam saw this as saying, like, oh, well, our movie is more hardcore and scarier than, than Jaws, so he kind of was doing a dig at Wes by 
having this. And it kind of became this revolving door of like referencing <laughs> yeah. each other. Uh, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, there uh, they show uh, Evil Dead on television. Yeah. Um, I have a little issue with this because there is no way that Evil Dead was shown in 1980 fucking four. Mister Pedantic over here, bitching. I don't care. I don't care. That's a well. Bullshit. I hope Wes Craven's burning in hell for his artistic <laughs> license. Does that make you feel better? Wow! No. Way to way to <laughs> way, way to, to make, make me feel everybody like an man. No. Um, and in Evil Dead Two, um, there is a yes, we do love you. We revere you very much, Wes Craven. Um, there's a there's a Freddy glove above the 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 archway of the door in the work shed in Evil Dead Two. So it was a playful thing between yeah. them. They were friends. The tape recorder that they listened to that unwittingly unleashes all the deadites upon them uh, belonged to Bruce's father. Um, actor, voice actor Bob Dorian uh, voices the professor, by the way. Uh, the film's first cut was 117 minutes, but it was edited down to make the movie more marketable because, uh, especially back then, you wanted to keep your movie shorter. That way it could be shown more, more times, times, get more money. Yeah, and I mean, they, they were in... St- you know, dire straits, financial yeah, debt. They, they had to get money. Yeah, they needed they needed every penny they could fucking get. Uh, reportedly, they had a constant halt of production just because of uh, on set injuries. And I mentioned earlier about you uh, know, the hunters walking in and out. So everybody <coughs> was so glad when this fucking movie was over because everyone was, was busted and bruised and tired and cold. Oh yeah, uh, but you uh, you have to suffer for your art, and, and they uh, did, and, and they, they made a masterpiece. Um, the sounds uh, of Anytime you hear a body that's being stabbed or impaled with anything, they got that sound by uh, the Foley artist, which was probably sound. Yeah, like some some dude. (laughs) Um, They would stab uh, dead chickens. Now, I haven't been able to get uh, confirmation that this is just like chicken breast or if they just found some dead chickens and stabbed them, I, 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 I'm saying grocery store chickens. I'm hoping that's the case. Um, otherwise, it'd be harder to find live chickens. You'd have to put more effort in. <laughs> well, no, we're stabbing live chickens. Well, no, the chick. Uh, everything by all accounts, the chickens were dead. Oh. How they became dead, I, I don't know. Uh, real they quick, were sacrificed. This this scene yeah. right here is uh, terrific, especially considering the the budget. That's oh. Uh, that's amazing. I believe they uh, achieved that with uh, it like liquid mercury or something to uh, so it would reflect, and when they touched it, it would yeah maybe it was diluted. I'm not I'm not really this. sure. Um, Sam Raimi turned 21 right before filming began, and he kind of considers this movie his rite of passage from you know being a boy into becoming a man. And here we are, you know. I'm 38. Yeah. I haven't done shit. I'm gonna go home and eat a bullet. <laughs> well, but I'm not gonna shoot myself. I'm just so fat. I'm gonna eat a bullet. You know, sounds good. Throw some barbecue sauce. Um, one promotion for the movie that they kind of lifted from William Castle, who did all those those great movies, Thirteen oh. Ghosts and House on Haunted Hill, uh, was they did a a free. They would give a free ticket to anybody that donated blood, and they had, you know, ambulances set up and everything, and they did a blood drive at, like, uh, one of their local theaters. 
Um, that's cool. You that don't really, really cool. you don't hear things about like that anymore. And everybody that uh, got a free ticket also got a um, a sticker that said "I bled for the Evil Dead." Would it be awesome. so cool to still have that? Because you know none of them are ever lasted. Somebody, everybody put that on, you know, yeah. notebook or whatever. Um, Evil Dead was one of the first films to be labeled a video nasty in the UK and was banned there for quite a while. Quite a while. I watched a whole documentary about the video nasties. It's great. It's it's kind of a, there's a parallel there between you know the video nasties of the UK and the, the fifteen the, the fifteen fifteen the PMRC that happened with the music industry um, some years later. Fuck you, Tipper Gore. Uh, the Book of the Dead is known as the Mortem de Manto in Part 1, but was called the Necronomicon Ex Mortis in the sequels. This is obviously a reference to H.P. Lovecraft and uh, the book of the same name. I don't know this for sure, but I believe this was out of fear of copyright. Um, and I think by that point, H.P. Lovecraft was already in the public, public domain. domain so but, but they... You know, not being uh, entertainment not, lawyers and stuff, yeah, they were airing on the side They're covering their asses. Uh, New Line Cinema um, released this, and uh, it was given a NC-17 rating in 1994 uh, when it was re-rated, but initially it was rated X, back when you could release an X-rated movie into, you know... Yeah, there was even an X-rated Oscar-winning movie, and, um, oh, fuck, it's uh, Dustin Hoffman and Peter Fonda... Oh, Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. I mean, X-rated was was not necessarily pornography no. back then. Oh, that's so goopy and uh, sexy. I'm hiding my heart on again, man. Sorry. <laughs> in 2003, Evil Dead, the musical, debuted in the Toronto and, Toronto and uh, moved off Broadway in 2006. I have a, um, a pro-shot DVD of this. It's actually really good. I actually, uh, I had uh, theater history, too, uh, last semester in college, and my project was project IP projects that were then made in the musicals, mainly so I could tuck this in there. There's a really shitty Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the musical. Oh, well, nobody remembers that. Evil Dead the Musical is the king of horror musicals. (laughs) At least, you know, adapted from a movie. Yeah. I'm sure there's, you know, some some, Dracula. I hate musicals, but, you know, I like my teacher, so I'm like, listen, I'm I'm not all bad. I don't, I don't hate musicals. It just depends on what it is. I would say I'll hate, hate most musicals. There, there are some diamonds in the rough. Yeah. Uh, A couple more, and then we'll move on to our questions. Um. The rough translation of the film's title in Germany is Dance of the Devils, uh, which is strange because it was banned in Germany for for quite some years. I mean, I, I want to say it was like the 2000s before. Damn. Uh, it was like, it wasn't super enforced. Um, yeah. But, you know, before you could get like a commercial version of it there. Um, Brian De Palma was editing his movie Blowout at the same facility at the same time Evil Dead was. There's a little uh, weird connection. Um, The bones and the gourds that are in the cellar were homages to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which uh, Sam considers probably the most effective horror film ever. It'd be hard to make an effective argument against that statement. All right, let's, uh, let's get to our... Fan submitted questions. This is the part I've been waiting for this whole movie. I'm about to let this motherfucker have it. 
All right. And I'm going to put him on blast, too. Our first question comes from Michael Williams. Uh, thank you, Michael, for uh, getting my ass reamed here in just a second. My question is, rumor has it that Brandon loves the remake more than the original. I've never fucking seen it, and you know that. But this motherfucker will spit on Charles Bronson's grave and watch the Death Wish remake? Uh, this has been a point of contention forever. I really liked the Evil Dead remake. I love that it was gory and nasty and practical effects. And that, you know, it was a separate enough movie. They did its own things. There were surprising little things at the end. I don't want to spoil it for him because this motherfucker, if I, I, I'm listen, a lot bigger than him. He'll watch this one day. Listen, I know, I know Ash shows up. And the plan being is that this was going to... Sp- spun off its own series and it would in time kind of curve back into the original series and there would be a team up so because of all this lost potential he refuses oh, to watch well I'll hear I'll, I've said this before okay. if, if we got to a certain number of people in the Facebook group that would watch it we, that uh, threshold was not matched however we have been on a roll lately what I want to do here in the year of 2019 if we can get 2,019 people in the group by December 31st, 2019, I will watch the remake of Evil Dead and we will do an episode of it in 2020. If and only if this threshold is met. Invite people, bully them, pressure them. We need to get this number, these numbers up. He has to see... One, I mean, I don't. I'm not one of those people that automatically hates horror remakes. I actually am in the minority. I like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I know it's not great, but it's it has good things. I really loved the Evil Dead remake, and I was primed to hate it. Again, we're both from Morristown. Evil Dead's in our blood. I'm like, this is bullshit. They never should have done it. Holy shit! Because they don't try to match this kind of aesthetic. They don't try. They make it its own thing. It is very fucking effective, and I respect Charles Bronson too much. <laughs> to actually, that's a lie. I did end up watching it on a streaming service where I didn't have to pay any more money, any extra to watch it. I did not I, like it. I'm, I am never going to fucking live this down. He will never. As far as I didn't, I didn't think it was bad. Um, they could have reshaped some things, and it would have been better. But. Um, as far as the Evil Dead remake, it'll happen only. We need two thousand and nineteen people by the end of this year. People, anybody you may know, blast them on their invites. If they unfriend you, fuck them. Just hit those invites. Get them on the branch uh, from the Black Lodge podcast Facebook group. Do it. All right. This question comes from Chris Kringle and I, I hand to God that is the real name. This isn't, this is a real lady from our Facebook book. This is not Well, I ain't gonna bust on you. I love Santa. Okay, well. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, she's she's bringing us a Christmas present in the form of this question. I'd like to know how all you feel about the horror remakes and if you feel horror genre has lost its great definitive characters in favor of gore porn. Um, you just mentioned you liked the um, Nightmare on Elm Street remake um, I like Jackie Earl Haley in it. It's I like the nasty. idea of micro naps. I hate the CGI. It's I don't like the, all it was is a piece of damn latex and like they leaned into it. They did not need to CGI that element. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you. But that movie was very nasty. But Jackie Earl Haley was amazing. The teenagers were nothing. They, they were see. Um, um, That's the Rooney, problem. Rooney Mara, Rooney Mara who is she's a, kind of an enough. Academy Award nominated. 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 
actress. I mean, she's a she's an A-list actor now, but she gives such a fucking bored yeah, emo the, performance. Like that's that's the problem with the movie ultimately is the teenagers but, and CGI. But this all comes back to my point about why remakes in a modern sense don't work for me because they're they're always uh, approached from a visual standpoint and not a story standpoint. Samuel Bayer, who directed that movie, music video director, um, I mean, done some great, great music, music videos. Great music videos, but when you hire somebody like that, you're running the risk of getting a movie that, that focuses all of its attention on the way it looks and not a director that's going to mold someone's performances and stuff. So, I... I Which is why I think the Evil Dead remake... To turn it around, get you the best of both worlds, because there are characters you genuinely like. I genuinely feel for the chick going there to sober up her brother. The one dude just like it just keeps getting worse and worse. And then the, there's like the two chicks that are just cannon fodder for gore, and they even do good jobs. Look, we're already in the fucking credits. Written and directed by Sam Raimi. We're still doing credit. We're we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna go after the credits because we still got uh, a few things to to touch on. Um, what just uh, to elaborate on this? Um, what what would you say is your favorite horror remake ever? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not I, being a dick. I'm not. I'm real. My favorite horror, honestly, for enjoyment, the first time, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake was very fun in theaters because when it came out at that time, it was super relentless and move and horror movies have been pussified overall. I'd have to say Evil Dead remake, and I'm I'm not saying this to bust Brandon's balls anymore. I just was so impressed. It might be because I had such a low bar and was ill will towards it that it won me over very easily. It would either be that or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm sorry, but the the only answer that is applicable for this is John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay, that's a trick question because they're (laughs) such separate things. Damn it, he got me. Yes, The Thing is the greatest remake of all time. Dick. All right. How do you guys feel about the second movie essentially being a reboot and wiping away some of the backstory of the first movie? This comes from Mike Smith. Okay. All right. Here's the thing. When they were filming the first movie, um, they busted their ass and they gave away a lot of the the rights and stuff to get it out. So when they went to produce the sequel some years later, they didn't have the rights to their own fucking footage. So the the beginning of the movie acts as almost like a condensed version. Everything b- prior to the 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 force pushing uh, Bruce through the woods is a recap of the first movie. Now there's only two characters, yeah. and there's been arguments for years, like oh he never left the cabin, and he's he's just having a mental breakdown or whatever, or it's just a remake. No, it's called Evil Dead Two. It's not a remake. So it's it is a soft reboot in the sense that they told you what happened in the first movie, and they did a lot of the same things, but they did it. Arguably better, but... I will say that from an uh, objective standpoint, I do enjoy the second one a little more. Again, it's all a matter of degrees. There's not a bad movie in the trilogy. Um, but Evil Dead 2, like like we were talking earlier, it cranks it up. He's got a little bit more money, a little bit more experience, uh, that a lot movie, more that, gag. That is the movie where Ash became the Ash we know. That's true. And Evil Dead 2 still has an incredibly low budget comparative yeah. to anything that would be made today. It's a love letter and a testament for you know the, the people involved, how 
skilled and passionate they were to oh, make yeah, something to that level. This question comes from David Thomas. Uh, besides the quick and the dead, is the yellow car used in most of Sam Raimi's movies? Until I got this question, I just assumed it was in all of them. So I'm assuming by his statement, it's not in the quick of the dead. But by my knowledge, it's it's in all of them. How would they have him in quick and the dead? It's in a, a western set in the 1800s. Oh well, they, they cover it in a tarp or something. They I, might. You know, you know what? what I mean? We're going to say it's in a barn. Yeah, it's so, going to be all of them. So I, I, my my point being is like it, it's a hallmark to things he's done. I just assume it's in all of them. If, you know? if it wasn't in frame, it was behind his director's chair when he caught. <laughs> Wait, did he direct or just produce that? I think he directed. I, th- I think he directed it. Okay. Um, this comes from Ben Hopkins. Do you think Evil Dead and its sequels are the best trilogy in movie history? And if not, what is? Take it, Tony. Oh, man, that's a hard fucking question because I'm not a huge trilogy guy. A lot of y'all are going to shit on me. Star Wars movies are good. I don't hate them. Lord of the Rings movies are good. I don't hate them. The best trilogy ever will be after 2020 when they make the third Ghostbuster <laughs> No. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it is one of the best trilogy. It's kind of hard to view as a trilogy because, again, the soft reboot with part two. But um, Well, even really... Honestly, no, I'm sorry. My favorite movie trilogy would have to be um, either Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy... Or, and I'm going to get shit on because they're so different, the uh, Captain America trilogy that went on in MCU. I am a huge comic book movie fan. The, so, Christopher Nolan, that's the, my favorite trilogy. Okay, I mean, I can respect that. The, the obvious one that comes to mind is the Back to the Future trilogy. Yeah, when, too. when Back to the Future 3 came out, everybody was kind of sour on it. And i got to be honest with you, over time, it's in some ways my favorite of the three. Um, but I'm still going to say the Evil Dead trilogy, from a personal point of view, is my favorite because there's no there's no bad point in, in no. all of them. They all have things that uh, about them that separate themselves. There's all a, co- a cohesion. Um, even Army of Darkness is a soft reboot of Evil Dead Two because they refilm footage yeah, from, from it. So somewhere out there. It's like a tradition of slowly reworking the lab, the previous one. Yeah. So, I mean, like, somewhere out there, someone, I'm sure, has done a super cut of editing these movies together where they make a little more sense as one long epic. But, yeah, I'm going to give it to the Evil Dead trilogy. Although, you know, in, in terms of, like, popularity and overall lasting quality, it, it's back to the future. Yeah, I, that, that's, a, that's a good answer, too. No argument. Now, this, uh, this question comes from Mark Brown. Do you think we'll ever see a big screen adaptation of Freddy versus Jason versus Ash? Sadly, no, but I would love to. I never actually read the original Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. I read Nightmare Warriors. The sequel, yeah. And, like, it would be so amazing. Jeff Jeff Katz, a New Line executive, wrote those. Um, and it, it they're so good, it makes me uh, want to uh, forgive him for not letting Kane Hunter be uh, Jason in Freddy versus Jason. Um, I, I would say that like anything's possible. Um, it would have to more than likely have an, an animated form because I don't I don't see like time frame wise because of legal issues with Friday Thirteenth that being anything that's going to happen in the next you know five six maybe even a decade. But I I I could see it happening in an animated form. Um, yeah. But you know it's it's a slim slim chance. Besides Evil Dead, what do you think Sam Raimi's best movie is? 
And this question comes from Amy Brown. Uh, I want to give a congratulations to Mark and Amy for just getting married here back in July. So congratulations. congratulations. So what do you, what do you think? Sam uh, best movie. Okay, I'm re- it's really hard for me. I'm going to have to discount the Spider-Man movie. Because if I can include the Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man 2. But I want to give this question a bit more of a fair shake. Simple Plan. A Simple Plan is probably my favorite non-superhero, non-Spider-Man related Sam it, Raimi It's movie. definitely the most accessible movie uh, across the board. I just like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good character piece. And just like, just from the get-go, everything's, you just know they're doomed and it's just... I like how he views how people would react in the in in that kind of situation. It's um, I guess it's um, this is going to sound very pretentious. It's it's um, I just had the word for it, so it's not going to sound pretentious. It's going to sound stupid because I blanked on it. It's just interesting. It's it's a psychologically interesting movie. From a from a across the board standpoint, you're probably right. But I'm going to say Evil Dead too because. I've never met anybody that watched Evil Dead 2 and had a bad time. No. And it, if you it, do, you're a sociopath. <laughs> I, I, I just, it's it's so insanely enjoyable. And I can understand why this, the first one, um, has some issues like the matted moon and, you know, some of the claymation effects. They're not for everybody. Like fungus. Yeah, you know. but, it, and the tree rape, obviously, is going to turn a lot of people off. But Evil and Dead 2. turn a lot of people on, too. <laughs> Boing. Ding, ding, ding. There's an unofficial titty tally of one in this movie. I'm just saying. You didn't do it because it was disrespectful, but... Do you see her nipple, though? That's yeah, what no, it did. I, I made sure, Okay, yes. well, then there you go. One. <laughs> one. Stank Dick Eddie's titty tally. One. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, I go, going back to the, the question hand, if, if I had to say, I'd say Evil Dead 2, just because it's so incredibly enjoyable, and I've never met anybody that watched it and be like, well, that sucked. It's just a fun, fun ride. And, it really is. And I think, I think you could almost show that to a kid, and it might If it was edited them. for television, it would be perfect for kids. Like, if there was a TV yeah. cut of it, because, I mean, it is fun. It is goofy. And it's like the a body, lo- that, That's the movie where Bruce Campbell really shows his, like, physical comedy. Like, the whole hand scene. Yeah. Like, I mean, he really, like, that's when he really showed that. I mean, it, it's obviously, again, cranked up even to more ridiculous proportions in Army of Darkness. Yeah, it's Marcel Marceau levels of mind. I have a very quick question. I know we're well past our time that I don't know that's on there. What is this? Not It's tangentially Evil Dead related. Which ending of Army of Darkness do you prefer? The theatrical or the original? The, 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 the ending of him waking up well past when he's supposed to is a more satisfying ending for the character but for the purposes of keeping the story going i had the the smart ending same yeah i mean Uh, i feel exactly the same take them take them as you will that to me that's a that's an alternate universe where ash you know slept too long okay this question comes from titty flip and travis um sex with a fully functioning headless body yay or nay well, you know, if it's fully functioning, it means it's alive, and that's a whole new meaning to deep throat. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm a white guy. I didn't get that far back. That's horrible. Precious stereotype. But uh, I'm a fat guy, too. But no, um, yeah, well, I'm going to say yay. Uh, sure. Why not? Um, no useless chit-chat after either. 
this uh, <laughs> this question comes from Snake Dick Eddie. <laughs> Army of Darkness is such a departure to what Evil Dead was all about. How do you feel about the shift from comedy uh, that the franchise took, positive and negative? I'm all good with it, man, because, like, some of my favorite elements of Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 1's the one when I want a horror movie. Evil Dead 2's when I want a crazy movie. And when I want a comedy, it's Army of Darkness. Because Evil Dead 2, to me, my favorite scenes are the weird, bizarre, and funny moments in that one. And It's, so, sur- it's so surreal. Surreal humor. It's not funny ha-ha. It's funny strange where Army of Darkness yeah, is funny is, ha-ha. Is it like Three Stooges. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, slap you, and I mean, shit. There, it's there's literally even, there, three stages. There's even sound effects lifted directly from yeah. the three stages in in Army of Darkness. You know, I, as as a pretentious like 15 year old, when I'm really really getting into horror movies, um, like as a serious thing rather than just yeah. you know, a fan. Um, oh, Evil Dead Two is too comical. I like the more nuanced horror of the first movie, Tree Raper, nothing for me. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, it's I, my rule for all movies. I've, I've, I've grown to, to love all of them. And because they evolve and do something different, that's what makes it a great trilogy. Oh, but, yeah, exactly. Because like, if you I, do I, the same shit over and over again, you're just retreading the same water. And trust me, I love movies that retread the Friday same water. Friday the 13th, man, we love that series. Um, all right, this uh, last question comes from Danny Rainbows. Fuck. Mary, kill Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, Ted Raimi. I already gave my answer. You gave me this question early. You kill Ted Raimi. You fuck Bruce Campbell. You marry Sam Raimi. I'm going to elaborate a little bit on this. Uh, obviously, you want to fuck Bruce Campbell because he has a book about you know. I want to make, make love, love the, the Bruce Campbell the Bruce way. Campbell way. So he obviously knows something I don't. Um, Sam Raimi's fucking loaded. So exactly, you know. I, I'll I'll kiss him uh, gently on his pee hole for for some of that <laughs> for some of that money. <laughs> and Ted, you got weird bug eyes, dude. I gotta kill you. <laughs> you gotta go. Okay. Um, I want to make an announcement uh, real quick for um, for our two year anniversary. But before I can do that. Uh, I need to go down the list and just thank everybody that's been involved. Um, Fat Tony sitting to my left. I thank uh, you for the opportunity. Uh, yeah, you're you're a constant uh, cornerstone of the podcast and uh, always bring something unique to the table. You know, tree tree rape stories and, <laughs> and <laughs> Kathy Bates boners. You know, <laughs> um, fucking Judd Kelly. Uh, he's been involved since the very beginning. Uh, just a heads up, he'll knock on wood. Be back on the podcast in November. Uh, Stank Dick Eddie, uh, OG, first person on the podcast. Um, uh, he's a good friend of mine, and I just want to thank him personally. And then there's a uh, fat fuck Scott. Uh, never a dull moment, and always a controversial approach. Uh, he uh, more adversarial podcast sometimes <laughs> when I when I have with him. Like we just want to choke each other. It's like how dare you believe something I don't believe? Um, and then you've got uh, our couple of side. Our side hoes, side hoes, uh, titty flipping Travis. Always, uh, always a pleasure to work with him and touch and tip Skip. We're gonna get him back on the podcast next time. Next time we do uh, something wrestling related. Um, but because it's our two year anniversary, we're gonna close out this episode by announcing our association with the Brain Dead Network. They are um, a they're getting ready to do a, a good uh, bit of uh, promotion on YouTube, but uh, I'm going to link the description of the their uh, podcast. Uh, they have one called B Movie Drive In, which is really good. Really good. Hosted by uh, 
uh, Josh Stark, uh, friend of the show, and uh, I guess it's for all intents and purposes, probably now our boss. Yeah. Um, more more of association, but um, by uh, I'll do rank, what he says. Rank alone, <laughs> tree rape or nothing. <laughs> tree rape or nothing. <laughs> um, but we're we're very excited to be on board. Um, like I said, I'll have the link in the description. I want all of you to check out their podcast. It's it's really good. If you like what we do here, um, you're gonna like what they do there. Um, they they have a uh, a little more of a modern take where they'll kind of give you like what's going on in horror and uh, then they'll move on to their, their subject. And we're, we're very much uh, locked into whatever our, you know, subject matter is. So you're going to get more of an education in what's going on in a normal sense. And uh, not a normal sense. What am I trying to say? A, a broader sense. Uh, a contemporary, contemporary sense, sense on their podcast, but they're, they're funny. They're knowledgeable. Um, Josh and his wife, you know, and their other oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. The other the other gentlemen associated, they're they're all uh, very talented, and their podcast is very good. So definitely follow them, give them a follow on Twitter and all that. Like I said, that'll all be linked in the description below. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, do so at, at Rance Black Lodge. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share those links at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and don't forget to come and visit us at our homepage at JuicyKruger.com. So. With uh, without further ado, I think we're going to close up shop. We've uh, running over our time limit uh, quite uh, uh, quite time a bit. Time limits does not limit us. We <laughs> limit time. Damn it! No. All right. For, Thank y'all uh, for Fat Tony. I'm Brandon A. Lane saying uh, good night, and uh, we'll see you next month for a Friday the Thirteenth related episode. Ooh. Bum 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 bum. You'll find out soon. All right. Good night, folks.